Welcome back to Factory Sealed. It is July 15th, 2018. My name's Eric Peterson. Joining me today, Mr. Dan Curtis. You're right. All right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Mike Tyson. You're right. Mike Tyson's here. Now then. What? Now then. <laughs> you went completely the wrong way. Mm. Say now then. You all right? Now then. What the hell does that what? even mean? That's what they say in some place, isn't it? All right, now then. Now then. Now then, yeah. You're all right, it's, now it, then. It, How are you doing? It is a, gr- it is a greeting into North. What, yeah. is right. what does it mean? It just means hello. Yeah. You're all right, now then. It's, Most it's, of the it's, shit it's, I could wrap my head around. when you're too cool for school and you don't want to say hello, so you just go, now then. Now then. Now then. Now then. But it can also be a bad thing, like, now then, what's going on here? Hello, See, I can hello, understand hello. that. What's all going on here, then? Now then? The Let's worst thing about these, these strange greetings in the UK is a lot of people go, all right, and you never know if people are greeting you or asking you how you are. Yeah. So someone will go, all right, and you go, yeah, I'm good, thank you. And they'll go, oh. <laughs> Just completely disinterested. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't, wasn't asking how I was. <laughs> It took Apparently me a while to get used to... That's really to... common across the world. I think... You, don't you guys do that, Eric? Ask people how they are, but don't really want to know how they are. And just Oh, yeah, you ground. absolutely don't want to know. But then you get the occasional person who's like, oh, God, finally, someone wants to know how I am. And they just dive into their life story. And you're like, well, I don't give must, a shit. If you must know, I am absolutely shite. Thank you. <laughs> I have a <laughs> massive hemorrhoid. Now then, you've got a massive hemorrhoid. <laughs> it took me a while to get used to with Tom, though, because um, his greeting was always like, you're right. Okay, like, because that's different than, hey, how are you? Like, that's just our colloquial greeting. When you're like, when you ask someone here, like, are you all right? It's like genuine concern. Like, you look disheveled. Are you all right? Yeah, no, that's that's what I mean. That's what I'm referencing. But loads of people here go, you're right. You're all right. greeting. That's nah, from Dan's part of the world. That is from my part of the world. Het. It's just easier all round, guys, if you just say rally ho to everybody. All right? Yeah. Or, or ahoy hoy. I'm a big fan of ahoy hoy. Ahoy hoy. Speaking now of then, het, now then, rally ho. Dan, we have a, we have, I have a, at least I have a question about het. Oh, and not, it's, not het again. It's postal <laughs> service because you have a package. <laughs> this show <laughs> is just about het. <laughs> 2018, the year of Het. 2016 was the Great Biscuit Debate. Yeah. <laughs> 2017 was, was the year of the Gilbert. <laughs> uh, I'm sending you a package, and we're trying to figure out how Het gets its mail. Is it like a like a single donkey that makes its way in, or do they like airdrop it from a hot air balloon once a month? I think it's that guy from uh, Twilight Princess who's always like, Onwards to mail! Just running it around that everywhere. Guy, it is that guy. <laughs> It's the guy 92. from Majora's Mask who's just running in full speed everywhere. Isn't he in every Zelda? I don't think he's in every Zelda. 
He's in Breath of the Wild. Wait, guys, way too early in the show for a video game reference. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Sorry. Yeah, Michael. but it is, it is like that guy, but is. he's 92, honestly. So it takes it's a quite, while. <laughs> Am I moving? Have I fallen over? <laughs> Why does he sound like he's from the South? Because he is. He's traveled that far. Oh, okay. To deliver three pieces of mail. Yes. Interesting. No, we we are actually part of the Royal Mail Network, would you believe? <laughs> have you got you got a postcode and everything? I have. Just last year. <laughs> Jesus. All the old ladies of Het are all confused because you've just got a, a random assortment of numbers and letters. <laughs> what what is this wizardry? <laughs> Paper. I'll Get send me. the raven. Paper will never catch on. Bring me my parchment, Gerald, for God's sake. Bring me my slate, tablet, and chisel. I'm going to write bend a over, sternly... Bend over, Gerald, so I can use you as a, as a rest. <laughs> write a sternly carved rock to my neighbor. <laughs> He'll have it next month. Just that 92-year-old man rolling a big boulder down the road. <laughs> Dropping rocks off at people's door. <laughs> I mean, it's really hard to get the cars in sometimes. <laughs> I'm surprised they even sort other cars, like the mules and crystals. <laughs> are you guys the youngest available. people that live there? I'm pretty sure we are, apart from the children. By like four decades? Yeah. A gentrifying head. <laughs> It's not a claim anyone can make. <laughs> make Het young again. Just, just need some cool new condors and we'll be sorted. Condoms? Condors. Why do you need cool condoms? Like air conditioned? Glow in the dark's always a, always a fiv. Oh. Helps you. Look at my lightsaber, guys! <laughs> <laughs> Cheese and onion crisp flavoured. Whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> I won't be your father. <laughs> oh, God. Official Star Wars condoms, you heard it here first. Yes. Brought to you by Proper Bullocks. One free with every Nintendo Lavo. Mm, it all ties in. It does. Yeah, it all comes full circle in this show, you know? Except if you wear a lightsaber. If I say Ricardo, it don't go anywhere. About three years later, it all comes full circle. <laughs> Our jokes are the long haul here. Indeed. Uh, how's everybody been the past two weeks? What you been up to? Mm. Nothing? I've been all right. Friday the 13th has uh, lived up to its name in, in our house. Oh, really? But both both mine and Hazel's mums, for different reasons I won't bore everyone with the details with, are, are both currently in hospital and both went into hospital on Friday. Oof. So on the same day? Yeah. Wow. Separate hospitals. Separate reasons. But yeah, it's been a bit of a mental this weekend. Were they getting various kitchen appliances installed? Uh, no. I don't oh. think so. No? Although like, that'd be handy. 
no convection oven belly or anything like that? Do they have do they have some kind of rivalry going on? One found out that the other one's in hospital, so they have, the other one had to go. <laughs> that bitch! <laughs> How dare she? How dare she? Who does she think <laughs> so, she is? Hazel's mom. Hazel's mom's on the phone to her, just like she's in hospital. I'm feeling faint. Let's <laughs> take me in. <laughs> I've fallen over. Oh, I've fallen I, over. I, I, ironically, the fallen over part isn't too far from the truth of Hazel's mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, hopefully they're all okay. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. they're fine. It, it, it'll be on some ongoing stuff, but it's all good. It's all. It's good. Is all good. But, yeah, but other than that, uh, I've not been up to too much, to be honest. I did, however, if I may speak about video games this early, Eric. Uh, Ooh. Picked nope. up. I paid for nope. again <laughs> the insane trilby. Uh, in tri- nope. Insane trilby. The insane trilby. It's a hat you can put on. Uh, the insane <laughs> trilogy. Sixteen feet tall, and you look like a colossal douche wearing it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't in a trilby? <laughs> <laughs> the insane trilogy again for Switch. And boy, that thing runs all right on there. Yeah. 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 I've been enjoying it. Yeah. I yeah. thought about rebuying it again, but Jesus, I've spent a lot of money on video games the past two weeks. Go on. Because I have found some gems. Mm-hmm. Uh, some gems? Some gems. Some gams. I found some gams. Big hot ones. I finally found a game uh, that I have been on the hunt for for years. Ah, Nintendogs. <laughs> yes, the Dalmatian one. Uh, Viva Pinata. That game was great. Did you guys ever play Upscare, it? Ups, Upscare Simulator Four. <laughs> Not going there. Uh, <laughs> Backdoor Sluts Nine in VR. That was the first thing I bought for my PSVR. Next ah. to Fisting Fireman Six. <laughs> Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball Two. Now that is a game. You're right, it is a game. Did you guys ever actually play the Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball? I did not. Terrible volleyball simulator. Fantastic boob jiggling simulator. I mean, that's all you want from a game, isn't it? Yeah. Did you get, Did you hear about Dead or Alive? Is it 6? Apparently they toned that down at last. Oh. You spoil all your fun, don't they? Yeah. Everything's got to be so politically correct that. now. Free the boob, burn the bra. Anyway, oh, nobody wants nobody wants to see your boobs. Moobs. I thought yours are so. I think yours are so large that they actually class as boobs. Well, they're on my back. Oh God! You really let yourself go this past month. <laughs> I know. Um, no, so I was uh, killing some time with Christy, and we stopped at one of the local game stores and. Um, I kind of had this running mental list of just random games that I'm looking for. And I've been trying to round out my Legend of Heroes collection. And a couple weeks ago, I found Legend of Heroes 3 uh, Ocean Song or whatever the hell it's called. Didn't even know that game existed, but found it. And I've been trying to find a physical copy of Trails in the Sky for years now. Never even seen a single one. Did you look in the sky for the trails? Because you might have found it earlier. Get it, Dan? Because the game's called... Yeah, 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 I, I got it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but one of the game stores that we're at has a um, 
case with nothing but inbox and sealed games. And I'm just, Christy and I are looking through there and getting ready to walk away and something catches the corner of my eye and it's just a little black box ah, tucked in there. Back door slots nine. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Christy, do you mind if I get it's this? VR. I think Christy's like, well, it's no, it's no back door slots eight, but <laughs> we'll give it a go. Uh, but no, lo and behold, not only was there a physical copy of Trails in the Sky, it was the premium edition, and it was sealed. I had to buy it. You have a problem. I don't. You do. I don't, Dan. You do. It's probably the most expensive PSP game I've ever bought, though. How much was it? Um, $75. What? Yeah. And it burn? And as I was taking the sticker off, they put the sticker on the plastic around the spine. And as I'm taking it off, I'm just terrified that it's going to bust that seal. Yeah, I mean, what would you do if that happened? I mean, Ugh. good God. I'd have to play it. like the worst thing ever. Well, it would instantly have the value of the game. Yeah, that game that you're never going to sell. So I've decided from now on, whenever I buy a sealed game, I'm making them take the sticker off before I buy it. What about if they refuse? No, I'm not going to buy it. Ah, I see. Your plan has no drawbacks. Exactly. Uh, and then I was at the store the other day, and I almost spent way too much money. Uh, ah, backdoor slots 10. <laughs> that one's overpriced. <laughs> the slumming. No, I saw a cop- finally saw a copy of Rule of Rose for PS2. Have you guys ever heard of that one? Nope. nope. It is a... Really hard to find PS2 game. Probably one of the more ex- uh, more expensive ones. Just a loose disc copy goes for like two hundred dollars, and they had one in box, manual, everything for three hundred. Um, asked them if they would take two fifty for it. They're like, "Yeah, I guess." I went, "Nah, no thanks." Is it actually a good game? Uh, apparently, yes, but it has some really uncomfortable themes to it. So they didn't make various, a whole lot of them. Various authorities <laughs> condemned the game and called for it to be banned. The game was cancelled in the United Kingdom. Yeah. The whole it's game a, is just an old man trying to get comfortable in a chair going, ooh, I just, I just can't get it right. <laughs> I think it has some... Uh, some references to, like... Um, Underage sexual encounters. Oh yeah, that's not that'll good. be why then. Yeah, let's, let's avoid that one. Yeah, we will not play Let, that. One. Let's not do that one for the show. <laughs> yes, we'll avoid it. But it's just super rare to see, and uh, it, people will still pay like seventy, eighty bucks just for the box because they'll find a loose disc for it and buy that, and then they got to buy the case for it. And then on you top just of draw that, the box art in crayon, and then that's that's all right, isn't it? Just well, get a look, box. If you actually look at the box art, it kind of looks like it's done in crayon. Yeah, there you go. Then sitting next to that was uh, a Saturn game that I always put ah, up. Backdoor put a... Sluts 11. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I was already giggling in preparation of you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> he pauses too much. He just gives me a chance. <laughs> so you're saying don't pause anymore. Yeah, uh, basically. So I started getting into collecting Saturn games, and I'm realizing that's an expensive mistake. At least collecting american versions of the game because uh they're always wildly more expensive than their japanese counterparts but panzer dragoon saga for the saturn is considered to be the best game on the saturn if not one of the best games ever made 
But it's, it's the on rails uh, Saturn Dragon shooter, isn't it? Yeah, it spans like yeah, four yeah. discs. It's just it's supposed to be incredible. Um, really, before. really hard to find. They came out with there was a sequel on Xbox, Panzer Dragoon Orta, I think it was mm. called Ordor Orta. But just the discs were three hundred and fifty dollars. What they had a non sealed in box copy for eight hundred. Like what? yeah, yeah, I'll pass that on that. Mad. I'll pass on it. But I did end up buying uh, a little known 3DS game called Corpse Party. That I think once that game hits ten years, which it's coming up not too long from now, we should definitely play. I've never heard of that either. Yeah, Corpse Party's fantastic. That just hit my my list of must own games about a week ago. Uh, for the I was looking up PSP games, and they're like, yeah, Corpse Party is one of the best PSP games. It's kind of a, um, it's almost like Danganronpa or some of those uh, survival horror games where basically you're interacting with people and trying to keep them alive to get them through certain situations. But the game really thrives on paying attention to audio cues and little random visual glitches within the text to give you cues on, hey, this person's about to die because at any time somebody will just die. And you can rewind it or reload your save, obviously, to try to keep them alive. But um, supposedly, it's wildly graphic and really cool. Mm, never heard of it. Yeah. Apparently, it's a whole anime series and everything. Yeah, it is. Wow. I didn't even know they had a 3DS uh, remake of it. And I found it in box with the Back to School edition and everything. So I picked that one up. But it's been a really expensive couple weeks for games. On top of getting finally finding a copy of Red Faction Guerrilla. I haven't, I haven't bought a game for like probably about a couple of months. Apart from Bioshock. Oh, Dan. Yields. You didn't hear what Mike said, did you? I didn't know. Oh, okay. You'll you can listen back to it on the show. It'll All be right, thanks. Um, so you should have plenty of money saved up for that pro controller by now. Yeah, yeah, I'm Mario Kart. Buy something useful. Yeah. You've been playing Mario Kart with us at three this morning. UK you could time. Do that with the Joy Cons. Yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't have been as good. I, I would. I don't know because I'm shit already. So it would be just. I, I think I think we should start doing more uh, Mario Kart sessions with people from the community because that's always fun. It was kind of a last minute thing, and I think we only had Kayla Rose jump in with us, but. Um, they're really. That's another point, though. They're really not reducing Switch game prices. No. They stay up there. Like Breath of the Wild is still fifty three pound in game. I was in there um, yesterday. If if I see something reduced, um, I get it. I I picked up in the past couple of weeks. I picked up um, Mario Rabbit's Kingdom Battle because Sainsbury's had it on special offer at twenty quid. I was like, I'm not going to see it that cheap again for fucking no, ages. No, definitely not. Um, I'm really enjoying that, by the way. Thanks for the uh, tip, Dan. You're very welcome. That, go, and that, buy Hollow, that, go and buy Hollow Knight now. That game has no business being as good as it is. I know it's, it's it just shouldn't work. I think I still think I could do without the rabbits. But I don't know. Like I normally find them really obnoxious, but to be honest, I'm I'm giggling quite a bit. Like the way like Peach Rabbit is constantly always taking selfies of herself and things yeah. like that. And it's, it's, it's actually it's, quite it's funny. All, it's Did all you right. guys ever play the? They've been in the past. Did you ever play the original Rabbits games on Wii? No, no I, I saw it and went, no. No, God, it was so much fun. 
They were like, is that kind of like a Mario Party style ripoff with just mini games and just goofy? Introduced in Rear Man. Yeah, because yeah, it, it was Rayman Rabbids for ages, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rayman Raving Rabbids. Yeah, and then they. I, I, I don't know. Like, I've not had much experience with rabbits. I always kind of disregard them a little bit because I always associate them with minions, and minions are fucking everywhere. And don't get me wrong. When I watch the Despicable Me films, I love the minions, but the fact that they're every fucking where, and then have like stupid quotes on them on social media and everything. Yeah, people have kind winds of winds me up. Uh, Mike Tyson and getting angry over something on social media. Shocker. Yeah, never Ooh. seen that before. He's <laughs> <laughs> the absolute worst. Everyone. <laughs> Every day, Michael put a post of whinging about something. <laughs> is, I right, kind of look forward to it. Uh, me too. It brightens up my afternoon. The funny uh, thing is, I've got like loads of friends on Facebook who haven't seen me since like either for years. I haven't seen me since I was a kid or anything. And like, there's this running thing that everyone thinks I'm actually really miserable, and I'm like, I'm not at all. <laughs> like, I'm one of the most chirpiest people you could be. <laughs> Just not on Facebook. <laughs> But if I put the character down, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Switch games, you guys see the Sonic Mania Plus news? Mm. Is, it, is, it, is it out now? Uh, it comes out July 17th, so two days. Oh, okay. And here's what I think is fantastic. $30 for a physical copy, which I guess is fine. $5 for the upgrade if you already own it. That's what they're doing right, because it's not really that substantial an update. Well, you get... Two additional characters. Uh, you get it's, it's three, isn't it? Characters? No, no you used to have three. Now you have five. And Rhea the Flying Squirrel. Ah, yeah. Okay. So you get a bunch of new campaigns dubbed Encore, and there's a four-player support for Time Trials and Ghosts. Sounds good to me. See, I, I, I will probably end up picking this up on Switch. I already bought it on PS4, and yeah, I could upgrade on there. But the gifts, this gives me an excuse to get it on Switch, and I can have it on the go. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I don't know. I can't justify a physical release of it or a physical purchase of it when I can just yeah, pay $5 more, to upgrade. Yeah. More importantly, they've put level transitions in for every zone. That was a massive bugbear for you, wasn't it? It really was. <laughs> a lot of people must have said as well, though, because they've put it in. What do you mean? Just like a more smooth well, basically, transition? Some, some zones in... In Sonic 3, they introduced the concept of level transitions where it would show how they got from zone to zone. Okay. For example, in the ice cap zone, he comes in snow, like on a ice, what's it called, snowboard. And, but in Sonic Mania, some levels had it and some didn't, and it would just fade to black. Oh, yeah. It, it was quite jarring. Yeah. Whereas now they all trans, they have transitions. Apparently, they've also changed some of the bosses a bit. Huh. Hmm, so, uh, like uh, the Metal Sonic boss on Stardust Speedway has been completely revamped. He's now made out of cotton wool. Yes. <laughs> Slightly easier to defeat, I feel. Just getting wet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Showing back Dot Slots 9 in VR. <laughs> I don't know, see, it all comes full circle, you see? I know, yeah. I really liked Sonic Mania, but... We've been playing it I'd... in our house recently, because finally I've been waiting for this day since Ellie was born where I can actually start having her play video games, and she's just a huge Sonic nerd right now, which part yes. of it kills me inside. It's like, you should like Mega Man more. Sonic, Man- Sonic Mania is a very good game, you've got but to admit it. We've been 
Christy's been playing through Sonic Mania, and we've just been giving her the second controller just to kind of play around with Tails and not really have it be an issue. And finally, she's like, I want to be Sonic. So I'm like, all right, here you go. And I just put her on the time trials levels, and uh, she can make it through the first level. Um, it takes her a while, but she can get there. And uh, it's she, just she, she will she will learn. Yeah, it's just she fun to see. Pro. You know, you hand your kid a controller, and their hands are so small on it. She loves using the Pro controller. I'm like, why don't you use a little half Joy-Con? She's like, no. On pro controller, I'm like okay, even a four-year-old who, understands who the importance of a pro I controller. Dan, <laughs> but it's just so cute to see the excitement on her face playing Sonic and like you know, that joy of being a kid again. Dad, can we play Thonite the Hedgepig Mania? Oh, she'll come running into our room at like six in the morning. Like, Daddy, can we play Sonic together? I'm like, I want to say no, but I have to say yes. So let's go. It's a good way to wake up. Yeah. How about we play introduce Mega Man it, Introduce it to Sonic 06. That was a good one. Ah, I heard. Every time we go to Target, she wants to look at the the Sonic Forces game in the Xbox aisle. I'm like, we don't even have an Xbox, and that game's probably trash. Did you guys hear mm, about the Sonic is. film that's coming out? Yeah, yeah Jim Carrey's been uh, cast as Robotnik. Apparently. Isn't it going to be some, like, some weird mishmash of CGI and... Real yeah, life. it's going to be live action with CGI, which is just not going to work. I don't know who framed Roger Rabbit made it work in the 90s. I know, but Sonic is at its best when it's set on Morbius and he doesn't interact with our world. It's just stupid. I don't know why they do it. Kind of like uh, Mario Odyssey and New Donk City. Yeah, well, I, I like New Donk City, though. Yeah, except Mario is a freakishly proportioned midget. He's, he always has been. I don't know. I always assumed Princess that... Princess Peach is taller than him. I suppose. Goes to show that if you're short, you can still get the girls. Yeah, does he, though? I mean, she seems like the ultimate cock tease to me. Yeah, but he keeps going for it. I still think cake's a cord for sex. <laughs> cake? Mm-hmm. She always promises him cake. Are you thinking of Portal? No, I'm thinking of Mario. Mm. Princess Peach always promises Mario cake all mm. the time. I'd make I will... cake. Oh, yeah, I you want a piece of this pie? Oh, I see. Let me show you my donut hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's an unwrapped joke for you. I understood that reference. Mm. Nobody you else did. Get this. If you want to know more about Factory Sealed Unwrapped, check out our Patreon uh, patreon.com slash factory sealed um, beautiful plug my friend even a dollar will get you access to the nonsense that we record before the show actually starts segway segway shameless yeah. plug <laughs> flavor <laughs> what is going on we have a lot of game to get through today I do. Let, mm. let, let us crack on. I'd love to sit and talk more crap, but we have two full discs of Final Fantasy to get through. One of which I thought was going to be a whole lot shorter than it was. It's not. I did tell you. No, you said like, yeah, disc four is pretty short. No, it's not. It was like eight hours long. Well, that is short in this grand scheme of things. The first hour of the or the first disc of this game was only like six. Shut up. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so we are actually finishing up uh, Final Fantasy IX 
this week, discs three and four, because you two are going to be gone next show. I am, yes. It's just going to well, be... Well, we were going to... This was going to be just disc four, but we had, like, Tom can make it the other week, could he? You mean and just, then ironically, just... ironically, he's not here today. <laughs> Poor Tom. Oh, yeah, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know where he is. He just isn't here. Wait. He's dead. He's probably dead. Uh, yeah, so we're doing ugh, like 15 hours worth of game. Sequentially. So we last left off with Queen Braun washing up on the beach like a dead whale and kicking the bucket. Yet somehow still not dead despite going through an explosion. Hey, she had time to get to that escape hatch. I mean, all that all that blubber protected her. What the hell even is Queen Braun? I don't know. I want to see a big fat pleb, but... I mean, she is hideous. Because... Yeah, Right, because Garnet is this is this a spoiler? I can't remember. Have we been have we found out about Garnet history? No, yet? not mm, yet. We we did mention it on the last show though. Yes. But we don't know for a fact yet that uh yeah. what you're about to say, so hold it. Okay, I'm I'm holding it. I'm holding. I'm holding it. So who it's who glowing, rem- it's glowing in the dark. <laughs> Full circle guy. <laughs> Just wearing one around the house. Just in case. You just know. in case that time that, that right moment hits. I just like I just like the glow, to be honest. Keeps Satisfying. you keeps you company. That's a dark <laughs> Chris, place. Crystal comes over and says, Why are all the lights off? Why haven't you opened any windows yet? <laughs> okay. I've been waiting for you, young <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, I'm leaving you. Not again. <laughs> You'll be back. How can you resist? Vroom. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Final Fantasy Disc 3. That's it. You can continue. So, where do we start on this one? It's been a while. Mm, everyone's a bit glum. Oh, glummy, glummy, glummy. Yeah. Zidane's yeah, pissed cr- off because cream. now Garnet's back and she's going to assume the role of queen and he's sitting in a bar throwing a pity party for himself. And yeah, I thought this was a bit jarring because up until this point, Zidane has shown that he's interested in Garnet, but in the start of disc three, he suddenly seems to be like really, really in love with her. Like really. He does make that change quite quickly, doesn't he? He does. Well, we mentioned last time, uh, well, you brought it up, Dan, that, you know, getting to disc three and disc four, like, the the characterization and the building of the characters and all that does end up taking a back seat from now on. Mm-hmm. And the characters do, in some places, just make a sudden switch. Yeah, it, like, it, like it really does. It, it's, it's important to, like, preface these two discs with saying that it, it's kind of a... While it is the same game, the storyline really ramps up the term in terms of threat and what's going on but character development just just gets shelved to the side completely in my opinion see i don't know if i necessarily agree with that well you're wrong because i felt like this game as a whole i'll save the rest of my thought for it but i feel like this game as a whole is 
almost entirely story with just a, a, a sprinkle of actual gameplay. Yeah, but did you not feel that the characters didn't get their necessarily their individual stories as much in the third and fourth disc? But Zidane does. Zidane and Garnet do. But everyone else seems to get forgotten about. Like like Amaranth. You guys hear Amaranth because he rightly saw he has no character development. Yeah, well, even his, like, obviously we'll get to it later, but even his part of the ending, it's just like, oh, all right. It was just kind of tacked on, like, oh, we forgot about this guy. I think everybody's story does come full circle at the end, though. Mm, I think it could have been better. We'll, it, we'll come to it. It could have. But yeah, everybody's just kind of ho-hum around Alexandria. Uh, They're not sure where Kuja went. He went. He went wandering off on his dragon, didn't he? After Queen Bran was killed. Yes, he's gone. And then we have a very um, light-hearted scene where everybody gets a love letter. Uh, Icor gets Doctor Tot to write a love letter to Zidane, and then she falls off a balcony. The uh, love letter gets picked up by Baku from Tantalus, and he drops it. And I think it gets picked up by Beatrix or Steiner. Beatrix picks it up, or no? Yes. Uh, Steiner pick picks it up? it up, I think. I think they both pick it up, actually, because they end up both coming to the dock on the night. Well, one picks it up, drops it again, and then the other one picks it up. I can't remember mm. which order. I actually I'll really like this section. It's complete filler, let's face it, but it's it's pretty funny. It's a little slow, though, isn't it? The whole like, bit. start of disc three is real slow. I feel like that's the that's the theme of discs three and four is, holy shit, this game is going slow. I still quite enjoyed it. Hmm. You know what we haven't mentioned up until this point? Stiltskin. Has anybody did anybody follow this quest line? Yeah, I, I buy off him every single time. I missed him in Alexandria at this point, so he doesn't appear again. I missed him. Oh, I just not appear again. I think I missed his last appearance. No, he doesn't. Appear, he doesn't appear again. If you don't, you have to talk to him every time, or he doesn't come. And you have to buy his stuff, don't you? Yeah, yeah I missed him in... He needs um, the money to continue his journey, you see. He shows up in Memoria, doesn't he? No. Pandemonium, I think? Yeah, yeah Pandemonium, he shows, he shows yeah. up there. And that's the... He was there, and I just forgot to go check where he was, and that's where I missed him. Oh, I can't remember what... He gives you a gift at the end, doesn't he, for, for helping him get through, and I can't remember what it is. Um, if he buys hmm. things all the time. Uh, I will have a look. Carry on. That's your work. So when uh, Iko's writing her letter, Dr. Tot makes a note about the horn. He recognizes her horn. And it kind of kicks through to a flashback that Tot has about um, a boat that showed up in Alexandria that had a dead woman and a baby girl. And this, Dan, like you were about to mention, kind of it, it reveals that Garnet is not actually Queen Bronze's real daughter. Um, the baby girl that was on the boat looked just like Princess, the actual Princess Garnet who had just died. Uh, they don't ever really say how the real Princess Garnet died, do they? Uh, no, an illness? I think it's briefly mentioned, but it's, it's washed over if it is. Yeah, so this baby looked exactly like her, except the baby had a horn, and the king ordered the horn to be removed, and then they raised this new baby as Princess Garnet. It's quite sad, really, for the original Garnet. Where is she buried? 
Just threw in the ocean. Just chuck chuck her in the sea. Oh, I have a note about that love letter. Beatrix thinks it's from Steiner, so she's the one who picks it up. Okay. Yeah. They do both definitely pick it up at some point, though. Yeah. And that kind of begins a romance between them two. That's such a cool little side story. I like that. Yeah, it's it's nice for them. I, I like think Beatrix. Of... I, I again, I wish Beatrix was one of the characters, one of the main characters. Yeah, it should be more interesting than Steiner, if I'm honest. But I think Steiner's Steiner's very integral to the story. You need his his brashness and his. Oh um... no, I don't want rid of Steiner. I want. Rid, I'd rather have Amaranth be removed and have Beatrix. Yeah, yeah, but Steiner and Beatrix are too similar, battle wise. I think so is Amaranth. Right, although I give him loads of shit, some of his abilities are, are fantastic. Oh, he's so chakra awful. And aura that that are pretty good. I can't remember what aura does, but chakra like replaces MP. Aura is auto life and region. That's it. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually used him in combat. I mm. used him this time actually. I still stuck with my main crew. I forced myself to change because I always do. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So Garnet agrees to meet with everybody before her coronation. And Zidane... She can speak again at this point, right? Yes. No, she, hasn't, she hasn't lost no, it. No, she hasn't yet. lost it yet. Oh, oh right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Zidane opts to say nothing. And Spoilers. he had this whole speech written up in his head about how... Um, what he wanted to say, but then what he did say wasn't really how he felt. And Rally Ho, I love you. I love your ado. <laughs> is he Jamaican now? No, uh, Geordie and Jamaican is quite close together. Oh. <laughs> they kind of are in a way, aren't they? <laughs> yes, people do often say that. Continue. I'm just trying to remember where things went from here. Uh, so after this, I you got to head everybody to... goes on goes to Trino for a little jaunt for yeah. reasons to talk about uh, Maiden Siri. And at this point in time, after they've destroyed the Ifa tree, the roots or whatever, the mist on the continent has been reduced. Mm. And you oh, yeah, see, it has, hasn't it? Yeah, you see an ATE I... where Zorn and Thorn are talking about trying to get back into the castle and all of that. And they once again speak funny. Yeah, yeah, it's back again. Um, I've got I found something random out about the uh, Maiden Siri name. Uh, Maiden Siri is named after a pre-Islamic archaeological site in Saudi Arabia called uh, Medain Saleh. In the Quran, the people of Maiden Saleh, the tribe I've spelled of, it wrong. Yeah, uh, well, I might be pronouncing these wrong anyway. The tribe of Thamud or Thamudis were a tribe that fell to the worshipping of idols. The word idolan in Final Fantasy IX is related to the word idol, and Maiden Siri was a center for summoning arts. Ooh, well, yeah. Look at Michael with his facts. Mm. Factory sealed. There you go. Oh, God, shoot me now. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's wrong. So there's a really good ATE in Trino at this point where Queena chases off the four-armed man who was pestering Ico, and it was really funny. And she just chases after him, going, "You give delicious food." <laughs> I love. I guys- love Queena. Do you guys so know who the four-armed man actually turns out to be if you follow his quest? Yes, he's a treasure hunter. Yeah. He's the one who was sent to kill Amaranth, wasn't it? No, that was Lani. 
Uh, yeah, but are you aware that like he's actually something throughout the Final Fantasy? So, um, you know, Gilgamesh, Gilgamesh from Final Fantasy V, Gilgamesh, yeah. Gilgamesh, yeah. Um, basically, he, he, the foreign man is supposed to be Gilgamesh. He also appears in Final Fantasy VIII. Um, if you actually he's in, he's in like every Final Fantasy man. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's not in seven, <laughs> is he? Is he not? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, if oh, the player obtains the Excalibur II sword, they get a message from Gilgamesh's brother Enkido mentioning he has taken it Excalibur and left Excalibur II for Gilgamesh. Uh, yeah, Excalibur first appeared on Final Fantasy V and was the weapon Gilgamesh mistook for the legendary sword Excalibur, which is also the, sh- the one that only does one damage in Final Fantasy VIII, isn't it, if he chooses it? Yeah. 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 He, um, he basically travels the universe collecting different weapons, Gilgamesh. That's how yeah. he's. That's his deal. That's how he always pops up in different ones. He's in Final Fantasy XII. Um, I'm not sure if he's in 13 at some point. He probably is. Probably one mm. of the sequels or something. But, uh, he, he always pops up. Mm. And he takes, yeah, anyway, takes Odin's place on huh. So in um, Trino, you actually find out a bit about um, Kuja owns the mansion. We've seen him previously, I think, talking to the um, auctioneer or yes. on the balcony above when the auction. When Garnet goes in there on the first disc. But he actually talks the the auctioneer now, and you find out that he is actually the owner of Trino's auction house. And there is a, another ATE as well, which uh, shows how Zidane is the one who framed Amarant, and that's why he's a wanted man. That was such a cool little scene. That's about the best character development Amarant gets. You kind of yeah, understand but... why he wants to best Zidane. Well, Zidane he wants to kind of understand him, doesn't he? He wants to understand why... He because he wanted to best Zidane and then Zidane beat him, but then Zidane didn't kill him, and he wants to understand like what makes him tick. Well, and that's the that's the, that's the character development between the two. Amaranth is all about brawn, and Zidane is all about brains. He's sneakier about it, and Amaranth kind of comes to this realization through the story that okay, maybe being clever and smart is better than just brute strength. Yeah. Oh, I've just remembered why you go to Trino at this point. It's for the card tournament. Yeah, but why did you need to go to play in the card tournament? For filler. Ugh. There was a there was a uh, ATE that happened that talked a little bit about Vivi. Uh, he meets Marco, who Polo. Or- originally sent him to Alexandria. Marco uh, sent Vivi and originally to Alexandria. <laughs> And you find out that Vivi grew up near Trino, so you send him home to see if his grandpa is there, but he's actually gone. Yeah, oh, did, yeah. You, not, you, did you not visit that Qu- on the first disc? I didn't. Not the but first you can disc, go to Quan's dwelling at this point for a scene with Vivi. Yes, you can. Yeah, so but I also, went... If you, have, if you have a mountain chocobo by this point, you can give him a dead pepper and he can jump off the ledge into the ocean oh. and get a treasure. Oh. Treasure. So I took... Zidane to Quan's dwelling. You find Vivi there, and then they have a flashback about Quan, uh, who is a Ku. Q? Q? I always say Q. Q. Trying to prove fishing from the mist in the sky. And he's trying to prove a theory of nourishment without eating, which goes against the whole thought process of a, of a Q of just constant food. And it also goes against the process of actually being able to live because you need to eat. Have you guys uh, read the little thing on the wall that you can find in Quan's dwelling where um, it says something? V- it says about Vivi's height and then says something like, "Not not big enough to eat yet." <laughs> yes, I saw that. 
Well, Quan Quan reveals that he fished Vivi out of the sky, and then Vivi kind of comes to this realization, like, oh well, maybe I fell off a cargo ship too. He's such a sad. He did, I think he's such point. a sad little character. There's mm. another scene there later on. If you go back with Queena and Vivi in your party as well, that's in Which, that's much later though, isn't it? It is, yes. But I thought I'd mention it. Hmm. Disc four, I think. This card battle thing that you have to do in Trino sucks. I breezed through it. I f- I got stumped on the first round like ten times. It was the dumbest thing. Yeah, I didn't find it hard either. Though um, I had done a lot of the Chocobo. Yeah, you get a lot, of, cards get a lot of good cards from that. I thought it was annoying how you have to win all three of them. Oh, do you? I didn't realize because I just breezed through it. So. Well, they make it yeah, seem yeah. like, oh, hey, if you win all three, you'll get this. Like, well, great, you have to win all three because you couldn't yeah. go on to the next round until you beat it. Um, I, like if, if Reg- beat all... I liked how Regen Sid is the card champion, though. I like that. But if you beat all three without losing any of them... You get a rebirth uh, you, ring. You get Yeah, yeah, you get a rebirth ring. Um, but the, the, the thing with Zidane here, obviously we've mentioned that he's suddenly madly, madly in love with Garnet, and because... Regent Sid is an oglob. They pretend that the sailor, I can't remember her name. Erin. Um, Erin, that's it, is actually the, the card champion. And there's a bit where Zidane says, oh, well, if she's a hot sailor, yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll face her so I can meet her. Whether he's yeah. just trying to project you know, his feelings away, I'm not sure. But you know, mm. the strange character turn of him suddenly being in love with Garnet seems to get forgotten about for a moment where he's suddenly thinking about girls again. Yeah, I think the same people didn't work on the filler sections as worked on the main plot. <laughs> you create fluff. You make him a sexist pig. <laughs> so after you win this, you discover that Regent Sid is testing the Hildegard too, and then Bahamut shows up and destroys Alexandria. Oh, it's such a cool scene. Yeah, it is. Yeah. This is this is this section in the game, this whole attack on Alexandria is is possibly one of my favourite parts. Yeah, there's this a really cool bit as well where it plays an excellent theme where it's Steiner and um, Beatrix are fighting together. Yeah, and it's one of the few times you get to use Beatrix and you have to fight the Mistadons. Well, and as they and... they get surrounded too, Steiner almost professes his love for her, but she kind of cuts him off and like, "Hey, we're not going to die here today. Let's do this. Let's do this." This, this is the first moment where Steiner. I mean, he's usually the, one of the strongest ones in your party, but he always seems like a you know bumbling idiot with rusty armor and a bit janky. And uh, this is one of the points where he actually f- he, he feels like a badass. Yeah, yeah re- because yeah. he's. I think he trances at one point as well as part of uh, one of the battles. Yeah, he does. And, yeah, you're right. yeah, and that's really cool because it. Some of the battles do have these sections where you go trance. Trance is a terrible thing, mostly in battle. But in these at these thematic points where it activates, it works really well, I think. So this bit in Alexandria is the the guys are traveling back from Trinor, and Ico flies off the airship to Garnet, who is hearing like a choir basically singing at the top of the castle, and together they summon Alexander, who is basically just around Alexandria Castle as a big machine with wings. He's essentially really the cool. castle. It's not the castle, though. If you look carefully, he's behind it. Yeah, but isn't Alexander by nature a castle? Sort of, yes. Yeah. But he isn't actually the castle. Because I wrote Alexander 
Alexandria Castle is an Eidolon, but I look closely at it and you can see how he surrounds it rather than being the castle itself. So at this point, um, Alexander completely owns Bahamut. And, but then the eye in the sky that we've seen previously comes and completely destroys uh, Alexander's wings and appeals it using Alexander's big sword that comes up from the castle, which is a really cool scene as well. Yeah, because uh, Alexander's summon is called Holy Judgment, right? And it has yeah. something to do with Aiko's uh, pendant and hers starts glowing and Dagger's pendant starts glowing and together they can summon it. Zidane actually sends everybody away at this point as well. He's kind of like, I have to do this myself to rescue them and stuff. And he rescues Garnet after the castle collapses. Because he sends everybody away because he know, I think he knows what's about to happen. Yeah. I kind of like this how Amaranth is just in Zidane's face about it. Amaranth's always, he kind of takes that, that stance of live to fight another day and is not afraid to tell Zidane, like, you're being an idiot. And uh, if you want to do that, fine. I'm not going to be a part of it. Where everybody else is always like, no, I want to come with you. Emirates like, no, screw you. You're going to go die. Whatever. He's got no emotional attachment to any of them, has, though, has he? Yeah. No, he doesn't. So um, after after Kuja destroys it, though, you, you get these no, occasions. No, Kuja does not destroy Alexandria. Kuja does not. It's uh, There is a scene where you see, where you don't know where exactly it is. It's assumed it's above the eye in the sky. And you see a mysterious figure who looks a bit like Darth Vader with his flashy light on his chest. Oh, yeah, that's right. At his eyes, glowing penis with his condom on. Yep. Well, and he <laughs> and he then, starts talking about Kuja, right? Yes, he does. Kuja's went too far or something. I think and he says he's like, I like granted that. you the freedom to do as you wish in Gaia for one purpose. You lost sight of that mission. I won't tolerate it. You don't know who you're and defying. Then, and then at the end, he goes, you too, Zidane. Yes, very, very, very... Foreshadowing. And then he nukes Alexandria. It just oh dear. explodes. Oh, dear. I know. Well, technically, so... the Invincible destroys the castle. Yes, but we don't know what the Invincible is at this point. It's just an eye in the sky. The big eye in the sky. Yes, and that that destroys Alexandria. So how did Zidane save Dagger? Well, she falls off a ledge and then he's on a rope and they swing to safety, I think. Yeah. I don't know how they avoided a nuke, but they did. <laughs> huh. Well, they, they, when you say it's destroyed, it's not obliterated, is it? It's, it's massively damaged. It's, in it's a hell of an explosion on the FMV, my yeah. friend. Well, yeah, true. Well, and then you go back, you learn that his this guy's name is Garland. and Which shares the name with the main antagonist of the first Final Fantasy. Yes. I was going to bring that up, Mike. And he you sounds would... fabulous. Oh, hey, everybody, I'm Golan. <laughs> uh, so he starts talking about the souls have returned and the process continues and they need to continue circulating and eventually no, so, no souls will belong to Gaia anymore. Uh, and these must never be circulated back. And then he goes, if only Kuja had lasted longer. Um and something goes on to... I think it's Kuja says, I can't escape my fate. Someday I'll have to face you, my counterpart. But they all wake up in Lindblum. Like, how the hell do they, they do. just get to Lindblum? They use because... the, the Hildegard 2. Because they end up saying, we, we shouldn't have gone in that airship. 
because you end up seeing that scene before they go to Alexandria where they're they're in the airship and it's obviously not working very well because his train is flying without mist and you know they're worried that it's going to fall out the sky and they actually have a conversation saying that they you know they we shouldn't have used that airship that was dangerous so i see is that revealed when you back. is that revealed when you ask blank you have two choices you can say where's dagger or how did you get here and i chose mm. where's dagger and he just runs away i don't remember because it's been a couple of weeks since i actually did this part but i'm I could be wrong, but I'm sure it's when they're around the table, because I think it's actually Freya who ends up saying something like, we shouldn't have used that ship. Hmm. There's a fun little ATE here where you find out what happened to Queena. She just washes ashore, and all these soldiers start poking him, thinking he's dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Queena isn't in uh, Alexandria, is she? No. <laughs> I like, like, this story, this playthrough has really made me appreciate Queena so much more because it's such a I know, goofy right? storyline. Such... It's a character that just doesn't give a shit about what's going on in the world, but they're like, great, here's this group of people marching across the world. I'm just going to tag along with them and find food, and occasionally I'll just go bumbling off on my own and just relink back up. And I love how the, the main characters interact with Queena, too. They're just like, oh, you're still here. All right, come on. <laughs> Queen is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So everybody has a conference, I think, at Limblum at this point. To well, actually, to before do. that, you Zidane goes and finds Dagger up by the telescope and oh, yeah. doesn't understand that she isn't able to talk yet, but he kind of bumbles what he's going to say and just ends up leaving her alone. And Dagger starts having this internal thought process and essentially just boils down to, like, Zidane, you're so sweet. So you start to see this development of feelings from dagger towards zidane yeah i hate how she loses her voice i think it's utterly pointless well she's really think of it is a stupid plot uh device but think about it though she's she's really upset about what happened to alexandria and she felt that it was her fault and she's um in extreme I sorrow for everybody I that's from the thematic point of view but it's just for the game itself yeah, it affects her being your white mage in your party. Well, yeah, it works it's... out well because she realized that Eco's a much better white mage, which she is. Yeah, but I don't want to use her. I don't want to use her. <laughs> really? Uh, I, I think Eco's much better than, than Garnet. Yeah, but I don't like her as a character. Yeah. That's what's important, Mike. That's the one thing that I've noticed about this game, though, is previous Final Fantasies, I kind of really liked all of the characters and i'd find myself bouncing around between uh with the exception of kate sith or kaishi or however the hell you want to say it um this game i just really didn't like many of the side characters except for queena i didn't give a shit about freya yeah i i, th- I feel like the core ones vv steiner garnet they're the ones you care about the most the rest are kind of just there. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that... I'm with you on that one. So, in Lindblom, I've, got, I've made a note of Regent Sid has a crazy throne elevator which goes down to the room below. Like, how lazy is that? Hey, well, he's an oglob. <laughs> I know, but still. And um, there's also... You go out into the city. At this point, Regent Sid is sick of being an oglop. And we have another filler section where you have to collect portions to turn him into a frog. Because you think it's going to turn him into a man, but he turns into a frog. 
Mm. When finding the potions to cure Sid, the items refer to the Book of Matoya, a witch that can be found in a cave in Final Fantasy. And I don't know if how like, if you guys noticed because you weren't playing the remaster, and it's probably not that clear. But um, other than the mustache, the frog that he actually turns into is pretty much identical to Frog from uh, Chrono Trigger, as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I love Chrono Trigger. So actually. Dan, before you have to get to the potions, uh, Sid shares a bunch of information with everybody. Um, he's talking about all the four major kingdoms have been destroyed now. Bermesia, Clara, Lindblom, and Alexandria have all been destroyed by Kuja. And Sid personally saw Kuja escaping Alexandria aboard the Hildegard One with talking black mages. Oh, yeah. Who are Vivi's friends from the Black Mage Village? Yeah, and then you get kicked to an ATE about Kuja, who's just pissed off about everything, and he's like, nothing can stop me. So he becomes supervillain at this point. Um, But like you said, Sid doesn't have an airship to stop Kuja, and he needs to be a man again to help finish developing the Hildegard 3? 3, yeah. And this is where they reveal, hey, Dagger lost her voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you guys see the scene where... The family from Burmesia come and they have loads of kids. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was really good. I like that. Did you guys catch the Star Trek reference in uh, Burmesia? Which one? So when you're going around asking people, you can talk to pretty much everybody and you can ask them about the potions. One of them makes the... Lindblom, you mean? Not yeah, yeah, the the Lindblom. You're looking for the potion. You ask a guy and he makes the, the Dr. Bones reference of, damn it, I'm a doctor not a po- whatever it is it's a it's a straight up lift from yeah, star trek awesome <laughs> uh let's see oh so after he turns into a frog he discovers you know what the only other way for me to to change this is we have to find hilda yeah isn't this where he reveals that she was the one who turned him into because whole- he cheated on her yeah naughty sid so then you can use the ship that you stole from Alexandria. Not an airship, but just a, a boat. Um, Which you don't need if you have a ocean chocoball. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> One thing that really irritates me about this game, um, going forward from here. So this is really the first point where the game opens up and you can start doing side quests. Uh, so you can do loads on the chocobo side quests. You've got the blue narcissus. You can go to areas you've not been before. And so this really is the first point where you can start choosing your own party, which all the games will hear, you've pretty much... There's little bits where you can swap them in and out, but generally you, you get what you're given. All the, the other Final Fantasies on PlayStation 1, which obviously is what I know most of Final Fantasy, is you get an ability to change your guys on the fly on the world map. On this, you have to go to the boat every time or later on you have to go in the airship to change your party and it's such a pain in the ass especially if you're using the chocobos a lot because oh, there's certain yeah. areas it is quite irritating yeah there's certain parts where you have to where if you go you, you have to use the ships in some way shape or form so if you've been out and about on your chocobo you've got to travel all the way back to your airship or your boat just to change your party well i was going to mention that too i found it kind of annoying that they do up to this point give you a couple options to change your party but then you're stuck with that choice for quite some time mm-hmm. that's why i just stuck with the main four yeah so anyway, um, this, at, at this point, point you, you get can... the boat sorry mike go ahead well one thing i was, I, I was going to exactly say the same thing there's some other bits that you can go to you can actually go back into um alexandria at one point 
and I've just got it here. Where is it? Where you can go back into Alexandria, and obviously it's in ruins. In front of the steeple on the edge of town, a woman bearing the title of Flower Girl says, "He's handsome, but he's not exactly Mr. Personality," which is a, a ref, which she's talking about one of the Pluto Knights. Um, this may be an allusion to Final Fantasy VII, where Aerith was known as the Flower Girl, and protagonist Cloud has a cold personality at the start of the game. Oh, well, isn't that nice? There's also. Um, in Alexandria, I'm not sure if I mentioned this one on one of the other shows, but up near the synthesis shop, there's three statues of a tall, a short, and a fat woman, which is supposed to be the Mega Sisters, which obviously has appeared in quite a few Final Fantasies. Oh. Wow. Full so from here, you got to go to Black Mage Village. Oh, yeah. You and nobody's there. You learn, I think a couple people stayed behind, like the, the priest or the cleric stayed behind. Uh, they're looking after the chocobo egg. Yeah, and he said everybody went with Kuja because they learned about their lifespan and Kuja came here and said, hey, guess what? I can extend it. So they all went, great. We'd rather live longer than live here and die, which is kind of counteractive to what this cleric was talking about in Disc 2. Where he's like, you know what? This is where I'd rather be and spend my time here being happy instead of romping around the world trying to find a cure. Did you guys know that um, later on you can change the music in Black Mage Village? I found this out literally just before we came on came onto recording. Now, um, it's not until disc four, but there's a point where you know the Doga's artifact and Un's mirror you can get on in Trino Auction House. If you yeah. go, you go into Black Mage Village after you get a certain airship later on, which I won't spoil yet. Um, you examine a gramophone at the inn. And if you've got the Doga's Artifact and Una's Mirror, the background music changes to Doga and Una's theme from Final Fantasy III, and then it'll, it'll, that'll just keep playing until the player leaves the village. I did not know that. No, I didn't either. The more you wow. know. Yeah. I don't know how people figure these things out. I really yeah. don't. <laughs> I mean, the, the official guide back in the day wasn't any help. So. No, and the internet at that time was garbage, so basically yeah. you're on your own. Um, so at this point you find out that Kuja lives in a, a palace to the northwest or something which is under quicksand well you also learn that Vivi impractical. you also learn that Vivi was a prototype because Vivi asks if he's going to stop soon and Kuja said that his prototype that was built before you assume you're kind of drawing the connections here um, you assume that Vivi was that prototype but he said the prototype would last longer how many goes did it take you guys to get into Kuja's palace through the quicksand? Pool? Like five. <laughs> it took me four. I felt so what? stupid afterwards. I'm like, oh, it's just the one that doesn't have. Because what I was thinking was, okay, I got to go for the one that has the little spurts of sand coming out of it at that time. Like, okay, I got to go now. And they're like, fuck, another antlion. You two are idiots. <laughs> did you not spot that? <laughs> I didn't even notice that anything was coming out of it. I mean, my yeah. image is too stretched. So. <laughs> Mind you, I had to have Banjo Tooie explained to me. You did, because <laughs> it's the second one, Eric. Get it? I don't, because they spelled it wrong. They spelled it T O O. Oh right. So it's it's also the banjo. I yes, suppose that is. would make sense. God damn it! <laughs> so as soon as they get through the quicksand, they get captured. Somehow. Smooth move, everyone. Yes, they're all in prison cells, and Kuja, at this point, basically has them do whatever he wants, and he wants them to go via his airship to a place called Olivert. Right. Does the, get him to do the washing up, right. clean the shed outside. Yeah. Wash, wash my balls, thank yeah. you. Quick, quick handy. 
Well, he can't go there. Zidane says, well, why don't you go on your own? He goes, well, they have an anti-magic barrier. And he looks at Zidane. He's like, and you're too stupid to use magic. <laughs> I like this bit, though, because it forces you to mix up your party. Because you can't use magic. Yeah. I yeah, well, you, just, cool. you don't take the, the people who use mainly magic. Yeah. What I don't like, however, is that it dumps you miles away from Oliver on the world map. Oh, that's make such your a... Own way there. Did you know, Dan, I know you've been doing the Chocobo quest at the same time as me, but like you can get Freya's ultimate weapon as early as now. You can go and can use... Can Yeah, you can go... Her, hers is underneath one of the cracks on the world map, and it's near over. So you, you get... If you've got a mountain Chocobo, you go to it and get hers as, like, as early as this. Yeah. Did anybody encounter the house enemy at this point? Yes. The hoose, which is a callback to the house enemy from Final Fantasy VII. It is, yeah. God, those things are weird in Seven. They are. I can't wait for the remake to fight it. It's going to be so stupid. So I have a confession to make about this point in the game. I got another confession made. Sorry. He's an idiot. (laughs) A loud one. Sorry, I backed off from my microphone. Give me credit. Uh, This is as far as I've ever made it in the game. Wow. I was unsure that I'd beaten it because I didn't have a whole lot of recollection of this game. And coming into that that area with Oliver where you're kind of twisting through the canyons, that's where I thought the end of the game was. <laughs> well, clearly not. I mean, there's another disc yet. Yeah. <laughs> at least you did, at least you were clearer than Mike, who basically went, oh, I think I haven't been past disc three. And then he got to basically disc four, and he got to the final dungeon and went, that'll do. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Like, <laughs> oops. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Olivert is as far as I've made it in the game. Everything after this, I was just had zero recollection of. So, oh, wow, that's that's interesting to hear how it was for you then, because yeah. obviously I've played through it all before m- many times. Yeah. So, um, Oliver is a really interesting place. It's kind of everything's very cryptic, but you start to find out more about this place called Terra. Which is, I don't think it's been mentioned up until this point. Terror. Well, yeah, Terror. A, a big holographic planet shows up with writing on it, and they're talking about Mother and Terra. And... Zidane can read it, or it kind of speaks to him in his head or something. Mm. Well, this calls back to uh, something in the Ifa tree that I don't, I, I meant to bring up when we did the first disc. Was the first disc, second disc? Second disc. Um, you know, when they're in the Ifa tree, and they're looking at that elevator in the middle, and not sure it's an elevator... You've got several options there where, like, Vivi can try it or Zidane can try it. And if you get Vivi to go on it, it doesn't move. But as soon as, like, Zidane goes on it, it activates to him, but no one thinks anything of it. Ah. Uh, huh. I see. Yeah, and I meant to bring it up on disc two. I completely forgot. Ah. Uh, that's interesting, Michael. I like Well, because this orb that shows up here, too, kind of to your point there, Mike, shows Terra with cities all over it at its peak, and then it talks about then the decline began and all of that. So it's a very technologically advanced planet. Uh, you come across this weird wall of faces which serves as a record of the civilization. Oh, terrifying. Um, the, the seeds decline was not our fault, so uh, all vegetation and the vessels died out, and the decay of our terra triggered it. Um, they're trying to... There's a lot of plot dump in this part, and it's, it's all kind of just hodgepodge together. So they're talking about different methods were considered to stop the decay of the planet. Um, 
the greatest minds of their world tried to uh, revive it on the mother continent, which ultimately ended up in failure, and it ended up being the catalyst for the ultimate destruction. So a couple subjects were selected, and um, they slowly started to to rebuild the planet. The flora and the fauna uh, were all put into stasis, and um, the faces were then constructed to pre- to ensure the history of Terra was preserved. So you kind of get a little allusion to this planet is is trying to find a way to survive, which obviously leads into the rest of the story of the game. But we also know that this planet is called Gaia. So what the hell is Terra? Gaia? Gaia, guys. Yes. So at this point, I think Kuja has sent you to find something called the Gulag Stone, I believe. Yeah, which sounds Oliver. like something out of Abe's Odyssey or yes, Russia. It does. Yeah. You do have yeah. gulags in the Odyssey. And you no, fight, not you fight Ark, which is a ridiculous airship boss, even though you're in the tiniest room in the world. Yeah. Well, um, you know that um, Ark is also Garnet's ultimate summon? summon. Yes, 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 I do. I know. Which is very strange. Yeah, it's, it's an airship for some reason. Yeah, it just it just shows up out of nowhere, and then it's like you you are in a tiny room. You can see it's tiny, and you're fighting this airship, and I don't know how. That's like, where have they gone? It's very strange. Hmm. In fact, then, Garnet learns it from an item called um, the Pumice. And, um, Pumice. Yeah. Pumice. Um, it's used to obviously summon arc through her, um, which is a massive Also great airship. for buffing your feet, I believe. Mm, yeah, it's very good. It's known as the Floating Stone. In the original NES version of the first Final Fantasy, the item was translated as Floater and was used to lift the ancient airship from the desert. It's a floater. <laughs> So at this point, um, the the guys find out that Kuja is planning to betray them. I think, and they have to rush back. <laughs> surprise, surprise! Bad guys going to betray you. Oh, and then you have a whole scene where you take control of Region Sid as a frog, and this I is one of my least bit. favorite bits in the entire game. You get it's to play horrible. a re- just an absolute stupid game of red light, green light. Oh yeah forgot about this yeah you basically have to sneak up on a hedgehog pie who keeps turning round and then you have to press buttons when he turns round then you have to stop as soon as he turns round otherwise you have to start the whole thing again and Mm. you're against a timer to get a key which you then have to use to put weights incredibly slowly on different types of scales so region sid can bounce off the scales to access an hourglass which he needs to turn round to stop his friends from dying ugh and it's just, it's such More a filler. bad section. And it's just, oh, I, I disliked it greatly. It's just, oh, I failed the hedgehog pie thing about five times. And I had about three seconds left or something and finally got the right thing of scales. And, oh, it's just horrible. I didn't fail it, but it took me a few attempts to get actually to the to, to the key without loop. I didn't run out of time, but I kept having to get, kept getting pushed back. So at this point, you have to use the team who you left behind, don't you, to escape the Desert Palace? Hmm. Yeah. The Desert Palace, of which contains many works of art, including a trio of statues arranged in a triangular fashion. Two are decidedly demonic-looking, replete with bat-like wings and tridents, and are referred to as the promise of the evil god and truth of the devil. The white angelic statue in the middle is called the Illusion of the Goddess, which alludes to the warring triad from Final Fantasy VI. Ah. Kafka's thing. Hmm. 
Um, so this section is quite interesting. Again, it kind of plays with the convention so far. You have to. There is a boss at the end called Valiapira, who is basically this sentient security system who's a big stone. Um, and to weaken it, you can find several different bloodstones throughout the desert palace, which you can find as you go through it. And to get them all, you have to do certain different things. Like there were statues that Mike mentioned. You might have to put the shadows facing away from each other and it might open up a stairway which leads to a bloodstone or something like that. And once you do, if you do activate, deactivate them all, Valiapira is incredibly weak and can't really do anything. But if you leave them on, the battle can be quite tricky. Yeah. So the, if you if you leave them, basically, that each one references a different thing. So um, one disables all your elemental damage from your attacks. Um, one enhances its power, magic power. One its defense. One its evasion. One its magic defense, and one its magic evasion. So yeah, if you don't get the one with the elemental, you can't do any elemental attacks against it. And then it's got all these stupid stats as well. Well, not only does turning all the bloodstones on weaken the boss, it gives you a bunch of cool gear too. Mm-hmm. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. As well, see, I thought I'd miss some, but it turns out I deactivated them all. So yeah, me too. This, the boss was super easy at that point. Yeah, it took mm. me a while to find them all because some of them are hidden behind balconies and, and mirrors and windows. You do have to do a little puzzling for some of them. Yeah, yeah. But this leads me on to something that um, this is jumping forward to the comments section a little bit. But me and uh, Juliet on the in, in the uh, Facebook group. Sorry, I can't get my words out today. Um, she was mentioning because she's been playing the remaster like I was, and she said that the. Um, random encounter rate seems to have dropped massively in in the remaster and I can't say I noticed it but I've been thinking about it since me and her have been chatting about it and exploring these places yeah I, I didn't I felt like I didn't get that many random encounters so oh even though God, it took me I was long getting time to random find... battles all the time oh, in yeah. the desert palace like all yeah. the time but I have been thinking so... I, I, I thought I hadn't noticed but I've been racking my brains and thinking about it and I think I went up a good few levels in this place because they were so frequent mm-hmm. The remaster has—they have definitely dumbed it down a little bit. I think it was one of the major complaints about nine. I think it was very heavy with battles. Mm, I think one so of our other the, listeners was was talking about it when he was in the ice cavern, wasn't he? As well, which is strange because I feel, apart from the final dungeon, that if you basically fight everything along the way and don't run from battles and things like that, you're probably going to be quite well leveled. Like Mike, mm. you obviously you were obviously very over leveled because you cheated. But <laughs> God mode. <laughs> I was grinding and using mm-hmm. the time save. Yes, cheating. But, but yeah, I've all the way through I didn't struggle. I felt like I was quite well balanced. So mm. if if that is taken out for the remaster, is the balance still as good or do you have to cheat and grind a bit to get back up to where you need to be? It's interesting, isn't it? I mean I'm I'm I mentioned it briefly on the last episode about how I feel like you don't level much in this game and ultimately everything feels a bit weaker in terms of when you look at the numbers. Um, and I'm going to get in more in depth with it later on when we get towards the final boss and everything. But I wonder if it was a balancing out thing. Maybe they felt with all the random encounters that maybe people were getting a little overpowered. I don't know. I had to do about an hour and a half, two hours of power leveling. Oh, really? And I didn't run away from I, any I did it. I did it at the end for Memoria, but... That's it. Hmm. So the guys, so everybody gets reunited, I think, at the Desert Palace. And they discover mm-hmm. after they escape, they have they say, you know, we got to stop Zidane uh, from giving that stone to Kuja. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iko is locked out, confronted, and chased by Zorn and Thorn. 
Um, Kuja pretends everybody's in a cage below, doesn't he? To get Sedan to hand over the stone. Yes, yeah. 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 And then basically Kuja waits until Zidane's distracted and just steals the stone with magic and then runs away. And he takes Aiko. Yes, he does. Yeah. And at this point, the team, you actually get a scene on the world map where they follow Kuja's airship in the Blue Narsus across the ocean. And you dock on the northern continent, I think. Is it called the Forgotten? No, that's Lost the Continent. Continent. The Lost Continent, which is the snowy bit. And you go to a place called Estogaza. Yeah, and you see yeah, a little clip of the of Black Mages barging through Mount Gulag, or Gulag, and Look. heading up towards the mountain. Gulag. So there's in um, Estogaza, which is a very very small town. There's not really much to it, really. It's just kind of there. Um, you meet an unhelpful bishop who mentions for the first time a place called Shimmering Isle, which becomes important later on. Yeah, because it's in uh, the DLC of Oblivion. Shut up, Dan. So I made a note at this point because Mount Gulag. There, are, uh, I've noticed a lots of enemies on disc three have insta kill moves, which gets really irritating. Like the red dragons. Yes. It's just I. I just felt like a lot of enemies had it, like death or doom or. Just an insta-kill, like mustard bomb kills your characters the next time they take an action. It's a, uh, it's a Level 5 heat. death shows up quite a bit, so you got to make sure that your character's level doesn't yeah. end in a 0 or a 5. I just felt it was a bit... Mm. Well, here you see Aiko's Eidolons are trying to be extracted by Zorn and Thorn, but they ultimately fail, and Kuja keeps pressing them to continue, and... Uh, you got to be 16. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll kill her. But Kuja says, fine, keep going. I need that Eidolon to beat Garland, and I must defeat him before Terra's plan activates, um, or he loses something. I forget what it was. Aiko's guardian Mog, who lives in a dress and always lives with her, is actually revealed to be an Eidolon at this point. Does it say which Eidolon? He's Medine, yes, I think. Medine, yeah, Medine, because the ribbon that you get afterwards teaches uh, Eco. Yeah, teaches Eco it, so you can use it in battle. Yeah, but uh, the the Eidolon actually trances at this point, and this is where Kuja first finds out about the power of trance. He wasn't around in the mid nineties. <laughs> he was not. <laughs> God's sake, Mike. <laughs> Well, Kuja then just discovers that he just needs a powerful soul to induce trance. And An soul. Yes. My soul is so powerful it is induced trance! <laughs> you also find out at this point that Zorn and Thorn aren't actually twins and they turn into a monster called Melty Gemini. <laughs> this Gemini is a bit melty. Could you take it back? <laughs> Uh, this wasn't a very hard battle. No, I think in the grand scheme of things. No, it was it was quite easy actually. Considering they're like quite prolific characters so far, you'd think the the the, the battle with them would be. And oh, they're just kind of patsies. fighting the red dragons up until they fight them. Yeah, yeah, because they were real strong. So uh, you, Vivi, uh, at this point, learns about his lifespan because he met a couple of black mages, 
And he learns that these black mages knew Kuja was lying to them, but followed him anyway. Kind of give them purpose, wasn't it? Give themselves yeah. purpose. Which, as we'll get to, kind of is, is the general theme of this game, having a purpose, having a meaning. <gasps> it is. Mm. Ah, so at this wow, point... Oh, meaning! <laughs> purpose! Mike, you're meant to be quiet. Shut up. Sorry. <laughs> well, you find so, Hilda after this. Yes, I've, I made a note that Lady Hilda is basically female Tom because she speaks very posh. Mm. And she's married to a frog. She's like, what, what? Well, she is the one who reveals Kuja's plan, which is interesting because Kuja captured her and he just tells her everything. Mm. And his ultimate he's master plan... He's quite arrogant, plan, isn't he? That's the thing. Yeah. His uh, ultimate master plan is that he, Kuja, is not of this world, Gaia, but he plans to use it to acquire an even more destructive power. And then Sid begs to be changed back from a frog to human, and he promises he won't cheat on her again. I love the bit where he turns back and he can't stop ribbiting. It's really funny. <laughs> he kind of does that for a little bit after that. Yeah. yeah, he does. That is some mustache as well. He's a good-looking dude. So, at this point, you find out that you to get to this place called Terra through this Shimmering Isle, you need to break the seal at somewhere called Ibsen's Castle. Yeah, right. They don't know the name of it. And Freya know, just goes, because... oh, let's let's just call it Ibsen's Castle. Yeah, all right. That's so dumb. <laughs> I, I know I've made, I've made a note, like, also, also, why Ibsen? Why not call it Flobby Wibble Castle or something? <laughs> well, it's not a place you'd go on vacation. I know, but, like, the point is, like, where does Ibsen come from? Like, I was trying to names. decipher that. Like, is it something backwards? Is it an anagram? Nope. No idea. And this, you finally get an airship. Hooray! Nespi Castle. But it is an anagram for penis. Oh, it is. Penis, penis castle. castle. Hooray! Woo! There's a dick joke in here somewhere. And we just have to find it. It only took us 20 hours of gameplay to I find it. I wonder if you wait there until nighttime if it glows in the dark. That would be awesome. <laughs> if it just turns into a big phallus. <laughs> but yeah, you finally get an airship. But also, this is the first point where you can get yourself a gold chocobo. This yes. is the earliest point in the game, which means that you oh, can then... I wonder if Eric knows all about this. <laughs> what? Which means that at this point, <laughs> you can visit chocobo's paradise yeah eric tell us more about the chocobo side quest they are terrible uh, rough translation this means that eric did not have time to complete the chocobo side quest and has therefore declared it shite without actually bothering no i to did do it. i did a bit of it i found one chocograph and went well this is dumb yeah that, that's not long enough i did one and went i don't want to do any more of this because it's dumb no, you didn't. You Least didn't favorite side quest ever. I'm losing respect for Mike. I'm not lying. It's happening. It's not yeah, fun. It's Dan, it's not so. fun. It is fun. It's not. Mike, back me up. It is fun. It's, it's not. It, it oh, I'm going to walk around the fun. forest and smash my face into the ground till I find something. I'm going to pay somebody $60 to do it again. Yeah, it's just like your childhood. Yeah. Embrace it. But people paid me to do it. It's not exactly expensive. I know, but it's so dumb. It's fun. It's not. 
It really is. You you don't have a treasure hunter in you, do you? I don't have that incessant and need. Plus, to... you miss like loads of really good items from not doing it. I made it to the end of the game just fine. Yeah, but still. Uh, you We missed an ATE oh. that we talked about where Sid uses, he kind of guts the blue Narciss to finish the Hildegard 2. Yes. Three. Three, yeah, which is the airship you get. Three, yeah. Now, the reason, the reason I wanted to bring up the Chocobos here, right, is because I, I've discovered another side quest this past couple of days that I haven't done, but I had no idea existed. Um, are you guys aware of like a, a side quest involving going to all the beaches for the fat Chocobo? Yes. Yeah, I had no idea that this existed. So what, what it is, once you've done the rest of the Chocobo side quest, you go to the Chocobo's paradise, and there's the fat Chocobo there, which is the one who's been bestowing all the extra powers onto Choco as, as you go along. Or in Dan's game, Jock Buns the Chocobo. And yes. he gives you a fat Chocobo card, and then you challenge him to a game of, of, of cards. Um, once you beat him, he'll talk about visiting all the world's beaches and restoring them. So you visit every beach in the game, and then once you've done that, and go back and talk to him. And then once you've done that, whenever you go to a beach in the game, you can press circle and restore your entire party. I had like no idea. Yeah, it seems like a lot of faff, but I, well, just to save some money on tents. But I had no idea this existed. I oh. didn't either until recently. I, I looked it up, all the side quests and stuff, and I was like, oh, yeah. Because he says, when you get all the chocographs, it says, um, oh, um, I have all the treasures, but then you have to find all of the hidden treasures, which can be found in mountain cracks and also in under the ocean. Mm-hmm. Which... Um, also, there's a mountain crack, Eric, which you won't have seen because you didn't do the Chocobo side quest, which leads to Mognet Central. Oh, I wish I would have seen that. Yeah, so it's worth doing just for that. Nope, it's not. And you find out that Mognet Central is not running, and there's basically a whole side quest, which I can't remember how exactly <laughs> you do it. it. Isn't it not running because the because uh, it needs some super slick because it hasn't got any needs, like grease on yeah, it? But super, it's because one of the one slick. of the Moogles one of the Moogles used the grease on the machine to do his hair. And that's why it's not working. <laughs> yeah. And you have to go and find some super slick, I think, and then it all runs again. I don't think the, the reward's worth it, but it's, it's a cool little side quest. <laughs> the Moogle theme from Final Fantasy V is remixed for the background music of Mognet Central as well. Ah. So, Eric, there's a few more things about the Chocobo side quest. That you, you go to somewhere called the Chocobo's Air Garden. Also, finally, you get to fly on a Chocobo. Like, actually yes. fly on the world map with a Chocobo, which is cool. And you can land in forests. Hmm. And uh, so Chocobo's Air Garden is this place which can appear in five places on the map. And you don't know where. It, it's thrown as a shadow on the ground. And you probably wouldn't know about it unless you were told. And you can use an item called a dead pepper. And then you fly up into the sky into a, another area where you can hunt for chocographs. That is also where the optional super boss Ozma lives. Mm, Ozma, what a bitch. The giant pool ball. Yeah. So... This is going sidestep from the story a little bit. Did any of you guys try Ozma? I didn't do it until disc four, but I've never is... actually tried to beat Ozma. I can't be bothered with well, the if grinding. You need a gold chocobo to get there. I didn't. Yeah, well, well, obviously, I I didn't do it till disc four, so I'm skipping ahead a little here. But I doing this for the show. I wanted to beat Ozma because when we did Final Fantasy VII, I did all the weapons, so I wanted to give it a go. Um, got to disc four, prepped myself. I did read a little bit online about what's the best way to prep yourself for it. And even with the levels I was at, um, it still took me, I think it was about 40 minutes it took me to actually beat God, Ozma. God. Yeah, it, it was a long battle, um, but it was worth it. Absolutely. Like, just to do it was worth it. What did you get from it? 
you get the Pumice, which teaches um, Garnet Arc. So I want to so get the ultimate summon, basically. This is kind of a good time for me to bring something up that I'm not a huge fan of how you learn different skills in this game because it kind of forces you to equip shit items. Yeah, yeah when I, I'm equipping. I, Sorry, I kind of like the I kind of like the how you have to think about it and balance it. I don't because it put me in kind of a hard spot towards the end of the game because I learned that VV didn't have reflect and auto haste and auto whatever um so i had to go through and level all that shit up for each of the characters and it just took a while not if you have ability up yeah i i know and i did but still it's a matter of doing it well good you should have played the remaster and you could have cheated like mike and just god mode had it done in 12 hours There was um, when I originally had this game when you used to do the get the explorer cheat cartridge with the pl- original PlayStation. There was a thing which taught you all abilities, and there is an ability which uh, makes your attacks heal. So because it just activated all abilities and you couldn't turn them off, so you couldn't do oh, anything because right. you because you would just heal everything when you attacked. I was like, oh, <laughs> so you couldn't. I, just, turn them I off. remember that from childhood. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um. Yeah, I agree with you, Eric. Whenever I equipped items onto guys, I I very rarely looked at the actual stats. I I scrolled through really quickly to see which ones had abilities they hadn't learned and then just used those. So, yeah, it wasn't until, say, Zidane's wrist armor, until I got to a point where all of the items I had and there was nothing there, I'd then actually look at the stats. Did you guys ever use Optimize? I always did, and that's what bit me. Nah. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes it doesn't always optimize. Like sometimes there's things which are better. No, nah, I never used it. So we never really actually talked about how the abilities are assigned. Um, yeah, we briefly touched on. So each of the items has obviously their their normal stats, but then associated with it is different abilities that you have to have that item equipped while you're in combat and get AP to level it up. And while it's a, while you have that item equipped. You can activate that ability, but the ability will only stay active or available as long as you have it equipped until you fully level it up, and then it becomes yours permanently, correct? Yeah, so you earn yes. a, each, each ability takes a certain amount of AP to learn, and then while you're in battle, you get X amount of AP, and then once you've filled the AP bar, it's then on your character forever. Yes. yes. And it, it, the... So- the Menu is a little confusing because obviously it has the AP bar, but then there's a diamond next to it with an A and an S. And the A stands for action, meaning you have to physically equip it and um, utilize it in combat. S is for support, meaning it's just on like auto haste or auto float or auto reflect or ability up or level up or anything like that. And then the diamond, whether or not it's filled, I did do some testing to figure this out because i'm like why is why do some of these diamonds why are some full and some not there's red diamonds there's blue diamonds um the diamond just indicated whether or not you already had it equipped Uh, didn't know that anyway should we go to ibsen's castle well before that this is i had a note about this because i thought this was was odd uh nobody knows where dagger is so they're in they're in lindblum right now right Yes, I think so. And Zidane goes, oh, hold on. I think I know where she is. And runs to Alexandria. 
Oh yeah, this is so fucking. Just dumb. goes halfway across the continent, goes to Alexandria, and he finds Beatrix, and Beatrix is like, oh, maybe she's in her resting pl- in a resting place, and ends up being Bronze Grave, and suddenly Dagger can talk, and uh, she kind of reveals that she wants to be queen. But she also wants to stay with the group longer because she feels like the group has more to teach her. And um, she's concerned that people won't accept her the way that she is. And uh, this is where Dagger decides to... She asks Zidane, hey, give me that. Give me the the sword or the dagger that that you had before. Um, And she cuts her hair off. And now she's short hair Dagger. Why why the... She has a little cut. Yeah, I kind of like it. I don't want to think. Makes her look makes her look a little older. But before we went to Ibsen's castle, uh, this is where there's some exploration to do. And I went Mm. to Quan's dwelling, and there's that whole scene where Queena has that imaginary feast. Oh yeah, that's as early as this bit. I did this disc four. Yeah, 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 you can do it here. Um. So I wish I did it at this point because you get running shoes, which teach auto hist. Yes, that's super beneficial. Uh, Quan is Quail's former master. Ran away because uh, he was he thought it was possible to eat food with just your imagination, and Quan thought that was stupid because it is. It is, but Queena believed it, <laughs> and uh, Vivi appears and. And and Quan is like, ah, Vivi, you no grow much at all. And um, Vivi then taught Quan about imagination, and that's why. No, I'm sorry, it's the other way around. Quan thought you could eat with your imagination because Vivi taught that to him. Um, and you discover this whole thing was a little bit of a flashback. And uh, Zidane is like, hey, who the hell are you guys talking to? Because Quina and Vivi see Quan there, and Quina uh, looks at Zidane and she's like. You still have a long way to go. Showing that, like, Zidane doesn't have much. shows up as well, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 But it shows, like, Zane doesn't have much of an imagination, and Vivi and Queen are all this, you know, they're they're more thoughtful, and I just thought it was a really neat little scene. Did you guys um, visit Daguerreo at this point as well? Yes. The four-armed man treasure hunter is in there. You see a completely different to me, Mike. Sorry? You see a completely different Uh, to me. Daguerreo, I always call it. What'd you call it, Dan? Dagawero. Well, you also pronounce it Konami, so... So, yeah, I know. I, I pronounce it Daguerreo. Uh, Daguerreo. Yeah. Anyway, did you guys change Dagger's name back to Garnet? Because I did, because Dagger's fucking stupid. And at this point in the no. game... Oh, she's sense. always been called Garnet on my game. Ah, okay. So, <laughs> do, you, do you know you know you can rename characters here? All of them, or just You one? can do any of them. So, if you've got the naming way card, um, which you which can get... found in the I, Desert Palace... Yeah, you get the naming way card. Um, there's a guy there who wants to see the naming way card, and if you show it to him, he will change any character's name for you. So I changed her back to Garnet. Um, it is it's similar to how the naming way card allowed the player to rename names back in Final Fantasy IV as well. Um, but yeah, I changed her back to Garnet at this point because her being called Dagger now just doesn't make any sense anymore, and I've always fucking hated it anyway. Yeah, they um, should have which, actually included that in the story. Like, hey, you know what? Now that everybody knows who I am and I'm re-gaining re, uh, the throne, I'm going to be Garnet again. It would have been also, a neat little story point. 
after we did that first show and uh, I was bitching about being called Dagger and how stupid it was, um, is it Hitani Spindash, our German fan? Uh-huh. He he brought it up on the Facebook group. I've been meaning to bring this up since. That in um, Germany, um, she changes her name to Lily because it's a Lily Dagger that he has. Oh. Which makes so much more fucking sense. I would have been happy with her being called Lily. Yeah, Dagger yeah. is such a dumb name. Dagger. Dagger. This Dagger. is where I spent a colossal amount of time level grinding. Because on the platform, right outside um, Daguerreo, I guess, Daguerreo, uh, there is a dragon that appears. And if Queena at this point has learned level 5 death, you can abuse a leveling system really easily. Because this dragon that shows up is one of the most difficult random encounter bosses in the game. It's a level well, 60. They're the, yeah, they're the same ones that's on Popos Heights, which is above um, Gizmaluk's Grotto as well. The yeah. Where you can climb up the ladder. Yeah. But this, I, I think this one's easier because you can just run in and rest and buy more stuff and come back out. But you can uh, just cast level 5 death and it is a 100% success rate of insta-kill every time. Die, bitch, die! I learned an important lesson here about saving frequently when level grinding because you can... The the uh, the dragon does have some really intense attacks that if Queen is not one of the first or second people to choose an action, um, you can get caught up really quick. And, and Queena, for me, wasn't very powerful, so he would often die. And then I'd have to spend time reviving Queena, and then before you know it, everybody's it's... dead. And I... Probably was leveling up for 25-ish minutes and died and lost all that progress. It's fascinating to me how you always call Queen a he. I always refer to it as she. There are times in the game, though, where they specifically isolate that it's he. I know, but mm. I just always think it looks like a she. Yeah, but look at Quan and Quail. They also look like that, and they are clearly men. They've got different outfits. Well, yeah, so does Zidane and Steiner. Maybe yeah, you shouldn't but judge anyone, everyone by your gender stereotypes, Daniel. Oh, shut up. It's 2018. Come on. So I sat um, here and, and did level grinding on this because you get like 8,000 XP per character. And if you have level up on, um, it increases that. If you have ability up on, and you get three out of that, um, normally uh, six this total. Is around, this is around the point where you... Um, sent us a whatsapp saying like you got 20,000 experience for one person one person in the party because they're alive and that's where we realize that if party members are dead an individual gets more experience on this game yeah i noticed that later in the game too because there's an enemy that i beat that i'm like all right that person got 41,000 xp in one go and they were the only person that survived (laughs) um question uh you're bringing up this whole thing about saving regularly is the continue function on the original game or is that something new to the remaster remaster so I yes. never actually turned this off in the time that I played it. Every time I was done, oh, I just suspended on it on the Vita. Yeah. So on the remastered, when you go onto the title screen after you've had it turned off, there's obviously load game, new game. There's also continue. And where continue starts you off from basically was, it seems to be to me, I, I, I didn't use it that often, to be honest, just in case. Um, but it seems to be like every time you exit or enter somewhere, it kind of, puts that as almost like a continue point so if i haven't saved for a while if, if you haven't saved for a while and you've exited from one area into another you can continue from there all right oh, that's handy i guess in case mm. you accidentally die yeah no i never used it i always just loaded because I, I knew out exactly where i was from then 
It's good to hear you didn't cheat for at least one bit, mate. <laughs> anyway, Ibsen's Castle. This is the point where on the last episode I was on about that Amaran just has a bit of a fucking hissy fit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And goes, oh, I'm going to go in by myself because I'm not interesting and I need something interesting to do. Well, this is also, Mike, at the very beginning you sent us a message about selling old weapons and up to for like the first three hours of the game i sold all my old shit like it's what you do with the final fantasy game hey new weapon equip sell the old shit and after you said that i didn't sell a single weapon or a single piece of armor because ipsen's castle is a reverse castle where all of the weak enemies are strong and all the strong enemies are weak and your weapons with the lower attack rates are actually higher than the ones with the higher attack rates yep that man is right I get it. So I had to go through and equip all my old junk. Um, you can actually buy the items there from a mog, a Moogle, I think. You find them, don't you? They're in chests, I think. I think you can find them, but I think you can buy some as well. Mm, let's have a look. Let me pull the item list up for Ipsen's Castle. Right, item list for Ipsen's Castle. Uh, yeah, on the actual item lists, the, so not in the shop list, uh, you can actually find them. All of their original weapons. So like, there's the dagger, there's the javelin, there's the original rod, the original fork, etc., etc. Huh. Again, mm. I kind of like this Ibsen's castle, how it does this, because they're trying a few different things to try and mix up the battles a bit. But again, I felt there was a lot of insta-death enemies. Yeah. Um, did well, you the... guys do the bit in Ibsen's castle where you can bang on the wall? Yes. And you go through and find a treasure chest. Yeah, there's a... You, it, that's really difficult to do because there's that secret door and you have to do nothing and then do nothing and then you keep choosing... It It adds something different to the list each time and you have to keep trying them until uh, something drastic shows up. And you got to try that and he runs into it and... And just leans on it and falls through it. <laughs> yeah. What do you so, get through there? I forgot. I don't know. Sorry, I, I wasn't quite listening to you guys, so I just... I just oh, that's to fine. To... No, no. What, just I like you didn't to listen to the any... other shows. <laughs> I wanted to look, uh, um, see if there's any reason why it's called Ibsen's Castle. And, Penis Castle. Yeah, and I found... I'm not going to read, read it out because it's quite long-winded, but I'm on fanfantasy.wikia.com, and there is actually like a full-on backstory with it to do with Ibsen, but... That, at that point that we're on about where Freya just goes, oh, let's call it Ibsen's Castle. You get no context of that still. I just don't understand. Mm. It's really weird. Anyway, sorry, carry on. What are you saying? What do you get where? That secret door. Uh, but but uh, you find a, a wall at the top of Ibsen's Castle that has a bunch of seals on it, and Amaranth made it there first. Like, becomes a stupid little contest, and um, he makes a comment about, you know, we may be enemies the next time we meet, and just leaves. And you find these mirrors on the wall, but before you get those, you have to fight a boss, Takahara? Yeah. Tahaka! It's Tahakara. What I'm looking at is spelled T-A-H-A-R-K-A. Oh, maybe I wrote it down wrong. Tahakara! Anyway. Dan would probably pronounce it as Tahiki or something. Yeah. Pineapple. I just just call him Tom. (laughs) There's a T in there. It's Tom. Uh, yeah, so you discover this world map that has... <laughs> Go, going by that logic, does he use it for everything? Oh, Crystal, make me a lovely cup of Tom. 
Yep, that's what happens. <laughs> uh. Children, come sit at the Tom. It's time for Tom. <laughs> I'm going to go to Paris and see the Eiffel Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you want to come up to Tom and see my Tom? <laughs> The tom of my pencil is quite sharp. It glows in the dark, my friend. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, Tahaka. Uh, so you find a world map of Gaia, Gaia. and there are Gaia. four locations with mirrors missing. Mirrors! Mirrors! And they indicate separate areas around the, the world. There's Four different shrines, the Water, Fire, Wind, and Earth Shrine. And you discover, okay, great, we need to go activate all these shrines at the same time. So you hop up. I don't up. think just, they need to, they just decide to. I'm so glad that they did it this way instead of making you travel to each one. That would have been such yeah. a bunch of filler. Oh, yeah. Did you guys struggle to find them at all? Because, Eric, you haven't done this before, so... No, not really. No? No. Because no, I looked I'd... at the map... And it shows you where they are. Does it? <laughs> yes. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I I remembered that this was a thing, so as soon as I got that map on screen I took a photo of it with my phone. Oh yeah, not the not the in game map, Dan, the map on the wall. Oh yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, you just had yeah, to get to I the general location. <laughs> but, but yeah, so you're it just in the happens that you have enough characters to send two to each. They do and interest- Zidane gets stuck with Quinner. <laughs> I love it. Who was, th- was thrilled to be compared to Leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so you meet each person in the shrine. It's kind of like a trap, and they fight the Guardians of Terror. Yeah, the four elemental the fiends. They all know Kuja. Yeah, the four elemental fiends that protect the elemental shrines and later fought in Memoria, known as the Guardians of Terror, are Malirist... Tiamat, Kraken, and Lick. Uh, Lich? Lich? Anyway. Lick. All the... <laughs> Sorry, I turned into Dan for a moment. It's like Diablo the, four... the Lick Queen. <laughs> <laughs> the four recall their counterparts in the first Final Fantasy, the four fiends, um, which in the anglicized version of Final Fantasy, the fi- fiend of fire was called uh, Carrie, although the name Marilith was restored in Final Fantasy Origins. The way the fiends are encountered in Memoria as fixed encounters refers to the way they're encountered in the past Chaos Shrine in the original Final Fantasy as well. So they're a big callback. Yeah. Hmm. I like this bit where where they're grouping people together because Zidane's really looking forward to going with Dagger and then Aiko goes, no, it's me, we're going to have girl time and they run off together. Um, Amaranth and Freya get paired up and uh, Amaranth's kind of Ste- pissed. No, it's Amaranth and Freya. Yeah, Steiner and Vivi. I was gonna yeah, say, sorry. Amaranth gets kind of pissed off about it and, and Freya's response or Zidane's response was, well, would you rather have gone with Ico? And everyone's basically like, good point. Uh, Vivian Steiner, um, which is an interesting combination too because they're they're going to the Wind Shrine and really strong gusts and Vivi can't walk so he gets keep, keeps getting blown around and Steiner's like, great, I've got really heavy ar- armor on, just walk behind me. And Zidane's wondering, are they going to be okay? And this is where he makes a comment t- towards Quina and, and uh, he's like, well, I'm with Quina so I should probably worry more about myself. <laughs> Which is funny because Quinner was one of my best characters. Yeah. At this point. Uh, it, it's worth yeah. noting at this point, by the way, because obviously you guys didn't use Amaranth, but this at, 
at the point after Ibsen's castle, he finally gets a victory celebration in battle. Who does? Up, Amarant. Huh. Up until this point, he does not do it. What does he, he do? Just he just stands there? He just sits down. He just stands there, yeah. He doesn't have a victory celebration. Really? Yep. I've noticed... Well, I noticed he sat down, but I've never used him past this point, so... Yeah, until the bit after Ibsen's castle, he does not do a victory celebration. Oh, interesting. Mm. That's quite cool, actually. So you I mean, only... He doesn't redeem him as a character, but... <laughs> no. You only have to fight one boss in all of these shrines, right? The Earth Guardian? Yeah, yeah. it was Zidane and Quinna. Lick. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I like how they kind of jump between all the people struggling through it. Um, it, it kind of lends a little bit of intensity to each of the, the pairings. And Yeah, it's weird to see, like, the battles happening when it's not in the battle system. And, like, Steiner and Vivi are fighting, and Vivi likes, is using his magic. And Steiner yeah. says, I'll pin him down while you hit him with magic and stuff. It's Well, and he's like, like, I don't know if I can hit. And he's like, I believe in you. Uh, let's see. Iko asks Dagger if she's in love with Zidane, and she just flat out doesn't say anything. Um, let's see, I have a note that Amaranth suddenly just appears on the ship. Hmm. I don't remember what that's all about. This is where Amaranth kind of reveals why he's sticking with the party. He needs to understand why he lost against Zidane. And he discovers now that he lost... He didn't lose against him physically. He lost against his way of thinking because Amaranth doesn't understand why Zidane is continuing to do what he's doing and why he's on this quest. And Zidane's whole response is basically, I just need to find out Kuju's motive. I, to be honest, I, I, I dislike Amaranth so much and I find his story so dull that I, I don't really pay attention to a lot of it. And I know that's terrible because I'm doing a show that analyzing a game, but... <sighs> I hate him so much. I hate that guy. He does suck. Oh <laughs> He's not a good character, no. So, so you, after you've done the shrines, it's time to go to Terra. Yeah, and you just basically hover your ship over this giant teleporter and jump off. Do a suicide dive into a portal, yes. Yeah. Everybody wakes up in a very strange alien world full of big mushrooms. Well, and the first thing you see is this weird girl version of Zidane. This mysterious girl who kind of leads him along in your chasing and occasionally she'll drop a sentence of, you don't remember anything, do you? And follow me and you'll understand maybe your own heritage as well. And finally... She really looks like Zidane as well, doesn't she? Yeah, with red pants and something dumb. Um says welcome home you know you're where you belong and the place where you're going to offer yourself yeah so you go to visit you find a village at last called Brandflakes, and <laughs> <laughs> keeps you regular <laughs> and you get this is the first time that you actually see the invincible the invincible which is named after the ultimate airship of final fantasy 3 Oh. You get better ideas. Well, and this is where Garnet kind of has a little bit of those connections, too. Yeah, um, she realizes that the eye is part of the Invincible and flashes back to when Maiden Seri was destroyed and faints. And also with uh, Alexandria. Alexandria, yeah. And there's, yes. there's, a, there's more 
dramatic monologues that show up on the screen and you assume it's Garland um, saying stuff like Garland. talking to, to Zidane. He's like, you're completely oblivious like a child. You don't know why you're given life or what purpose you exist. Um, you shout to emphasize your own existence, blah, blah, blah. And so Bran, Bran Flakes is kind of a bit of a plot dump again. And it's an, it's a village. good plot dump, though. Oh, yeah. You find this village full of people who look like Zidane, but they're kind of soulless and don't really speak much. And well, they, they all do, look like, like kids. Devoid of emotion. And their response is like, we don't possess any age. We were built this way. Hmm. I love the parallels here of uh, Zidane and Vivi's story. Yeah. Where, where obviously, I, I'm getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but obviously you find out that, you know, these things were created to, you know, the, the, Zidane essentially finds out he was created and he finds other versions of himself that are, that are soulless and kind of lifeless and don't really do very much. And it reflects so much of what Vivi's going through. And it's funny how, watching how both the characters actually deal with the same situation because you would expect Zidane to deal with it really well and as we found out in a little while it, it proper screws him up doesn't it oh yeah he goes he goes a bit psycho at this point and mm. it's uh, well, quite understandable really I guess what was I going to say uh, so you find out at this point out, um, about the plot for Terra to absorb the souls of Gaia to infuse them into genomes so the whole point of Garland's plan with the Aoife tree is to fuse these souls into terror itself yeah so there's this there's the flow of souls a little bit like the live stream in final fantasy yeah 7. i put i've made a note about similarities to final fantasy 7 as well so yeah there's this flow of souls that goes through the planet through a crystal and um essentially he he's created the Aoife tree to block the flow of souls from uh, going th- through gaia so that he can collect those souls to then like you said to then recreate terror there's a really good ATE on this section where Queena licks a big stone that they're all looking at and just goes, is very, is very salty. <laughs> well, you're, you also learn here, too, that Zidane was given a special purpose, even though they're growing all of these um, clones of him. He was actually given life. And his purpose was to help Garland take over the cycle of souls. And being an angel of death. Yeah, uh, like you said, Terra, uh, Terra always goes around absorbing new planets to survive, and eventually the souls of Terra that have died will reoccupy the genomes, and Garland had to wait until Gaia's civilization advanced enough to, to use Eidolons, and it was Zidane's purpose to go to, to Gaia and, and help disrupt that cycle of life. Mm-hmm. And you find out that Kuja was created in the same way. Yes. Like, so Kuja is away. also a genome and also kind yeah. of Zidane's brother. Yeah. So well, Kuja's... that's a bit of a spoiler at this point. We haven't learned that yet. Are we not? Oh, no. Oh. That's quite a ways well, it's down. Like, it's like the next section, so it's not really yeah. Yeah. okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, there's a there's a Kuja... bunch of ATEs here, though, too, where you just see Zidane wandering around and he interacts with each person from the party. Um, I like a comment that Vivi makes, too, where... Vivi's comparing himself to the genomes, and um, but the the major difference that he tells Zidane, he's like it's like their minds are just out to lunch for a while. It's just such a it's such a a comment that Vivi would make. He's trying to find the positive side of it. Yeah, and uh, let's see. So Zidane goes off alone to a, a place called Pandemonium, 
which is basically Garland's castle. Yeah, to go meet Garland, and then you have Iko to go collect all the other members. Um, well, Pandemonium, Pandemonium as well um, was the name of en- Emperor Mateus's Castle of Hell. The music that accompanies, accompanies the Pandemonium of Final Fantasy IX is a remix of Final Fantasy II counterpart with a slower tempo. I'm not feeling Garland's decor, by the way, guys. I think it's a bit strange. Yeah. He's, he's a bit weird. Well, once he meets Garland, Gar- there's, there's so much plot dump at this point. Um, this is a bit that really shocked you, right? The yeah. Plot twist here. yeah. It's coming up here. So um, he says, 12 years ago, we lost one of our most prized genomes that we had sent to disrupt the cycle of souls and re- revealed that was you, Zidane. Um, it says there's another one that was built just like you, but he threw a wrench into things, and it's someone you know quite well. Um, then you get to Pandemonium, and and uh, it says, 24 years ago, I gave life to a genome just like you. His will was too strong to be considered a vessel, and I, I considered discarding him, but uh, instead I sent him to Gaia, and um, Zidane's struggling to figure out who this is, and he finally just reveals his, his name is Kuja. So, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, that's one of the few things like I did not see that coming. Yeah, I didn't either, to be honest, because you wouldn't expect Kuja to be like Zidane. You don't see his tail. He hides until it. He goes until he. Goes well, he specifically, yeah, he specifically points that out because um, Kuja rejects it. He does, he a, does a forward tuck <laughs> under his belt. <laughs> So Kuja's mission was to bring war and chaos, which uh, naturally quite well with, to be fair. induces a chaotic flow of souls, and a disruption of souls is best brought about by war. So Kuja technically exceeded expectations, but he felt threatened by a genome that appeared with more power, who ended up being Zidane, and Kuja... Because he felt threatened by this genome, discarded Zidane, he dropped him on on a world that he would ultimately destroy, hoping that Zidane wouldn't realize what he is and he would just get caught up in the destruction and be killed. Mm-hmm. So this bit is all kind of about Zidane finding himself after this. He kind of, after all this, he's feeling really down. He doesn't want to involve his friends anymore. And it starts a whole section, which is called... The, the theme for this section is called You're Not Alone, and it's one of my favorite bits in the entire game. Where I love the theme, and I love the, the way it works. Zidane rejects his friends, and then they all band around him, and you have to fight different monsters. And finally, he begins to realize that these are my friends. They want to help me. I'm not just a soulless genome. I'm, I'm Zidane. I've grown into this person. And it kind of ties in with well, the plot of Final Fantasy IX, which is also kind of about living. Yes. Well, because Zidane recalls the laughters and tears of the people that he's known on, on Gaia, and he doesn't want to... Uh, Garland promises, and he's like, hey, don't you want to live among the stars for eternity? It's like, no, I don't. I know these people, and I've developed relationships with them, and uh, I may be this all-powerful being, but I don't want that. And he says, um, if only I had a place to call home, which harkens back to the fact that he's pissed off that his actual home that he's been looking for is this dump on a place called Terra. Yeah, it's it's just a really good section. I I really like it. Did we talk about why they need to disrupt the, the souls? 
yeah, to infuse the genomes with the souls. And yeah, the Aoife tree is the divider of the souls. So they're draining the they're draining Gaia of their actual souls to refill it with Terra souls. Um, so if you speed up the cycle through war, you can speed up the entire process of retaking over the planet. And then yeah, the mist Terra wants to become Gaia because Terra yeah. is dead. Yeah, and or the dying. mist is the stagnant souls of Gaia, and they are um, ultimately blocking the flow of the souls. But the Terra souls flow freely. And ultimately, they thought that stopping the mist was going to fix everything, but it it doesn't. This begs the question, is... Fair enough, his means aren't exactly ethical, but is Garland really a villain? Because really, he's, he's just trying he's, to recreate his home planet that was... He's just created for a purpose, isn't he? Because he says he was created for this purpose. He's just trying yeah. to fulfill his he, purpose in life. Again, that's... He's the anti-hero. Yeah, which is just to, which is to recreate a, a planet and a civilization long lost. And sure, sure, doing it by destroying another civilization, another planet is not the best way to do it. You know, the, the the end doesn't justify the means or anything like that. But in some ways, he's not really evil if you think about it. Well, he actually ends up helping the the group later. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't like the Pandemonium Dungeon very much. I thought it was a bit of a slog. After this, where you have to go up the lift and things, and then there's a puzzle with lights, so you have to run yeah. past the lights. Is that after you do all the battles when Zidane's walking down? Yeah, that is yeah. after all that. Yeah. And then Garnet saves the last battle, and um, I really like what she reveals here, because up to this point, Zidane's kind of been the protector of the group, and he's always had everybody's back, and he's always believed in everybody, and he's always protected everybody, and she kind of turns that on him and said, hey, while you were watching our back, we were watching yours, and while you were believing in us, we were believing in you, and while you were protecting us, we were protecting you. I didn't really draw that conclusion, because you know, Zidane's the hero of the story, and he's just pulling everybody through, but essentially, he wouldn't have been able to do anything that he had done without them. Well, this comes full circle from what we were talking about from being this womanizing, sexist pig kind of character, but he, re- he is really this heroic character who cares deeply about his friends, and he kind of realizes it in this section. Yeah, because he's is confronted he, with who is he, he ever really womanizing is. womanizing again? He's never really womanizing again from now on, is he? Not really, no. Because no. no. yeah. he, I think he does that because he's been trying to find his purpose in life for so long, because all he can mm. remember was this blue light about his home, and that is the blue light of terror that he can remember. And so he's just trying, that's kind of just like a front for how he really is. And he kind of, this section realizes, right, I was created for this purpose, but I've grown. I've become more than I was meant to be. I'm not an angel of death. These are my friends. I care about them. All that stuff. Hmm. I have a note about that stupid room with the blue lights where you have 30 seconds to get through it. Yeah. How long did it take you guys? Lords of times. If you touch yeah. one of the lights, you end up in a battle, which is really irritating. And then you have to start all over. Yep. It took me tw- two Wait. times. You don't have to start all. O- doesn't have to start all over, but if you you only get a certain amount of time to get across the bridge in the next room. Yeah. When you get like yeah. thirty seconds up, so by the time the battle's loaded, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got it on the second try. I thought it would have taken me more, but that first time, I'm like, fuck, this is going to be annoying. So mm. then there's a puzzle with a lift. Which is so? Did you guys get the ATE where the characters offer to help you? No. With the lift? No. No. So if you no. basically fail to do the lift right a few times, a unique ATE shows up, which you can activate multiple times, where other characters control the lift for you. Oh, that would have been much easier. I know. So, <laughs> huh. 
because because I'm stupid, it made it easier. Interesting. Dan well, then... mode. <laughs> yeah. Was that, the na- was that the name of the ATE? Unwittingly. Well, then you have your battle with Garland, who reveals here I that he was. Fight the silver dragon first. Do you? Yes. Yeah, you fight the silver dragon first. Who yeah. is green? Good coloring. <laughs> And then uh, you fight Garland. Yeah. yeah. Who then at this point reveals that he was created to oversee Terra and he's now the absolute controller of the planet while the civilization is in stasis. And then the Invincible appears after your battle with Garland and it's Kuja and he's like, hey, I love you all. You broke the seal and beat Garland for me. See ya. Well, you have to fight Kuja as well. Yeah. It was pretty easy. Yeah. Wasn't too bad. Um, Kuja finds out at this point because Ga- he kicks Garland off a, li- a ledge. Yeah, he moved fast as him off the edge, didn't he? Yeah, or this is yeah. Sparta's him. Kuja finds out. Kuja finds out that he has a limited lifespan from Garland, and he goes absolutely nuts and destroys Terra completely with Ultima. Yeah. Wait, he trances, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. he does. He goes into trance, and he reveals his tail, which has been tucked away. And then destroys Terra with Ultima, like literally destroys a planet. Well, you learn at that point that even Moogles possess the ability to trance. So everybody does. You just need a powerful enough soul. Well, we knew that from Mog earlier, a Gulag. Yeah, but Mog wasn't actually a, a Moogle. He was an Eidolon posing as a Moogle. Yeah. Yeah. So, because. Uh, he doesn't completely destroy Terra to start with. He gives conveniently gives Zidane enough time to evacuate evacuate the genomes. They steal the invincible airship and exit Terra. And they find that the planet is now once again completely covered in mist. Oh yeah. yeah. Even more so. This is so. a point where I had got up to before. I thought I'd never got past the end of disc three, but I the the very beginning of this disc they're you're all on they're all on the bridge of the invincible which is when they realize that the mist has covered the planet and i i specifically remember that scene so this is where after this I'd, I'd not seen anything else well is garland you said garland's he is technically physically dead but his consciousness is still living on because he talks then to zidane right yes and he he talks to him more like he's talking to kuja at this point you know i built you to last long enough until Zidane grew powerful enough and I knew it was too dangerous to let you last longer. And he kind of personally attacks Kuja and he's like, you're just a worthless doll and you're no different than the Black Mages. Yeah, and Kuja basically says, why should the world exist without me? And he goes a bit nuts. Well, before you leave, uh, Zidane goes back and saves all the genomes. I literally just said that. Did you? No, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Yes. He did. Oh. He did. <laughs> I wasn't he listening. Did. Clearly. Yeah. And the amount of shit I get for not listening. Uh, whatever. <laughs> and one of them... In America. One of them has the name Makoto. Yeah, that's the main one. Yeah. So, uh, the, obviously, this 4, this is typical Final Fantasy, PS1 Final Fantasy. You you can either go to the last dungeon or you can do your mop-up of your, your, your side quests. Um... I briefly mentioned this on that towards the end of the last show, but did you guys go and um, look at the Eidolon Wall and and figure out Garnet's real name and all that stuff? No. So if you go back to Maiden Seree, um you'll find Lani's there, and she hints towards something to um, inside 
Eco's little hut where she lives underneath the kitchen. Um, there's something written there, and there's something written there. Something time moves forward once, time moves backward once. Nine is the last number. Is also the first. So you actually go into the Idolan Wall, and it's a circular room, and you have to, if you go round it once and look at all of the um, inscriptions about all the different Idolans, you keep going round, and you'll hear like a chime, and you have to keep going round and round and round, and eventually the chime will stop, and a new um, exclamation mark turns up for you to look. And you read it and you get a message saying, I survived the storm. I wonder if the two of you are okay. I see the two of you smile every time I close my eyes. I imagine I see you when I open my eyes. I have a mortal wound. I won't be able to wait for you very long. I regret being so unemotional all these years. I'm writing down everything here in the hope that you read it someday. To my dearest wife, Jane, although we fought many times, I may not have shown my affection enough. I love you very much. To my beloved daughter, Sarah, my life changed when you were born. You made me happy. These are the things I want you to know. So essentially re- revealing that um, Garnet's real name is Sarah and her mum was called Jane. Huh. Kind of uh, generic in, names. Yeah, I thought so. But in Final Fantasy 1, there's a character called Jane, spelled J-A-N-E. Um, and she alludes to a Queen Jane, spelled J-A-Y-N-E, who was called Queen Jane the other way in some translations. Uh, Queen Jane's daughter is Princess Sarah. Um, and in Final Fantasy 9, obviously, you've got Jane and Sarah on there as well. So it's a little callback to that, even though they're quite generic names. Nice fact, Mike. I like it. Yeah, thanks. Very good, Michael. I like how... I research so here you go to Black Mage Village, and you find that the genomes are living here now, which is an interesting place for them to fall, because technically they're no different than the Black Mages, and um, I forget yeah, who Black makes... Black Mages have now become the people who are going to teach these people about life. Yeah. I forget who makes the comment, in but they... whole terror bubble. They say, maybe if humans can get along with the black mages uh no maybe if the black mages can get along with the genomes living here then maybe humans and black mages can get along after all or something to that effect i think so but they ultimately this section is bobby corwin the chocobo though oh yeah because the the black mages have hatched this chocobo egg and they have a chocobo chick and have called it bobby corwin and they will not call it anything except Bobby Corwin. They will not call it Bobby. They will always call it Bobby Corwin. It's just really funny. Like, why did they pick that name? Mike, do you have Mike, a fact do you for have that? A fact? Uh, I was just thinking. I'll have a look. Hang on. As you were. Um, <laughs> they decide not to tell Sid what's going on because they don't want to cause undue panic. And this is where I decided, okay, I got to go back to DeGuario and power level to get flair and reflect because I felt a little under-leveled for what was probably about to come, and uh, I didn't want to struggle. Like, I was already under the gun to finish this game. I think this was three days ago. I wasn't positive I was going to finish. So this was the point where I went to the final dungeon and realized I wasn't powerful enough, so I had to do some grinding in the final dungeon and also on an island nearby where you can get a monster with a lot of XP. I just reutilized that dragon one because it was super easy. So at this point in the game, you kind of you find out that something's happened to the Aoife tree. Kuja's done something to it. And basically something has appeared above the Aoife tree, which is the final dungeon. It's um, You have to fly there on the Invincible and there's a whole section where you have loads of, loads upon loads of silver dragons come out of this portal thing. And, you have to, and then an airship fleet of Alexandria and Lindblom shows up and fights all these silver dragons blows them up and things and you go inside and you have to fight a nova dragon before you can enter 
that's it really yeah um, uh, oh there's also some new world map music at this point Nova Dragon is a translation of Shinryu uh, which is the super boss from Final Fantasy 5 uh, I think there's a Shinryu in Final Fantasy 10 any relation to Shinra Right, okay, so Bobby Corwin is an elongated version of Boko, the recurring chocobo name from the series. That's it. Right. Get it, Dan? Bo- Boko, because it's cho- yeah, chocobo? It, it, yeah, I got it, thanks. Boko, the chocobo? Oh, Eric, you won't know this because you haven't got a chocobo, by the way, but at this point you can find Zadian's ultimate weapon on the ocean floor where the Shimmering Isle used to be. Didn't you need the dead pepper or something like that to do that? Yes, yeah. you do. You have to do that on any bits of the world map there to, to do it. Um, just briefly touching on it, because we're quickly running out of time with Dan. Um, obviously, before you go into the main dungeon, the other side question you can do is the Mognet one. Um, you get a... I can't remember what item. I think it's a Protect Ring or something like that you get. It, it's actually really good. I can't remember what you learned from it. Um, Probably Protect. But, um, no, it's not Protect. Um, Auto Protect? Ooh, maybe... Um, but anyway, just to kind of quickly touch on it, just for the re- purpose of the show, you you finally speak to uh, Stiltskin and Kupo in Alexandria, and you then have to specifically go to these. You have to do another quest of delivering letters, um, and you have to just try and remember where they all are. I used a guide for this bit because I couldn't fucking remember where each one was. But you then have to go to each one. They'll give you a letter for the next person. Um, oh, it gives you another ribbon. That's what you get. That's not bad. Skin. Quite no, a good yeah, item. it's a protector ring. Yeah, protector ring. Um, you get a ribbon from Stiltskin, I believe. Um, but you then have to try and remember everyone's name to go and deliver all these letters and go around the world and do that again. Then you get the super slick and and hmm. the post starts again. Um, but that's pretty much all you all you really need to know from that. But I just thought I'd bring it up. Jolly good, Michael. So into Memoria, uh, it's a it's a place of memories, and Zidane's told that he'll witness his entire truth here. And instead of Moogles now saving the game, there's this really odd, completely out of place save sphere that teleports yeah, that Zidane. Was weird. I think Memory is quite thematically weird. I think I feel like it's just kind of I said this to you guys the other day, it's just kind of the needed a final dungeon. It just kind of shows up. Yeah. And it's just it doesn't really make much sense in the context of the game. There's also some hidden master tetra phantoms here. Yes, there is. Did you guys encounter any of them? Yeah, I didn't know these existed at all. I accidentally found the first one, and like, sure, I'll give you a challenge, and dude was super strong, and uh, somehow managed to pull out a win. Well done. Like, well, I'm going to end on a high note. (laughs) Yeah, there's basically these exclamation marks on the map where Zidane will look up to the sky and kind of... At first, I thought he was just looking at the rain because it was raining in that section. I was like, "Why is he doing that?" And then I re- and I remembered, "Oh, there's card guardians." Yeah, and uh, there is this hidden save point in one of the rooms as well behind the altar. Yeah, where where Ico's um, ultimate you, weapon we, is. Yeah, you, yeah. A lot of the ultimate weapons are actually in this dungeon. So as you progress through each room, you're treated to like another little cutscene. You walk into this room and. Uh, you get to see Alexandria destroyed again, and um, you come into one room, and, and Zidane... So so Queena didn't see that because Queena wasn't there, and that's where you start to learn, like, okay, these scenes that we're seeing are tied directly to your memory. If you're there, you're going to see it. So Zidane walks across a bridge and sees a little girl on a boat, and Dagger saw it also, and they discover, oh, 
you weren't there. Why? How did you see this? Um, this is where it lost me. Why? Why can he see it? Because he is technically... He's been there. He was part of the... He was sent to Gaia to cause chaos and disruption. So um, Garland... So was uh, he on the Invincible when it happened? I think he's part of the reason that Maiden Seri was destroyed because Gar- Garland feared the Eidolons the most and decided to deal with them before they became a problem. So he had the original genome that he sent to Gaia deal with the problem. Um, so I. Th- so does that mean Zidane has always been that, that age? Yeah, they don't age. Ah. So I think this is technically alluding to the fact that Zidane technically is the cause for Garnet's mom's real death, or real mom's death. He's the one so who destroyed I'll- Maiden Seri. So I've been quiet because I wanted to hear what your guys' take on this was because I questioned this and I um, did a little bit of research online. Now, obviously, there's bits that hinted towards it. There's um, fan theories and things like that as well. Um, ascent, what seems to be the general consensus of this, and this is why I left you guys to talk because I wanted to see what you guys came up with because, as I said, baffled me as well. Apparently, it's talking about how all memories return to the planet and are shared with everybody. Because um, they also see the planet's creation, don't they? Which obviously none of them was there for. Yeah, but so the memories are linked. Can't see the thing, so why doesn't she have the memories if everybody can see the memories? It makes no sense. Wouldn't it be some? Because obviously Zidane was created from using Terra. Use I'm 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 obviously I'm, I'm making this as it's a go bu- here, It's bullshit, it, Mike. Really, yeah, that's but- just <laughs> Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't that tie back to how Zidane was created by Terra, and obviously they use the souls to create things? So if the the the, the memories are then pushed through with the souls, and there's shared well, that explains. It, it is kind of a valid point, though, because later it starts to show in Zidane's memory that Gaia was an ocean, and then Vivi goes, "Yeah, I'm starting to get a faint memory of that too," and so is Freya. And like you said, all existence can be traced back to one source, so why can't all memories be traced back to one source? So yeah, hang on, I'm just reading further here. Yeah, When people die and are cycled through the soul machines, the memories of the dead return to the earth. Thus, Garnet's mother contributed to the memory to the planet, which is then instilled into living forms. Um, Hang on a second. This is going all Assassin's Creed right now. Yeah, it's it's a bit mental, but I've, I've just found a bit that doesn't 100% make sense to me but but right Garnet's mother contributed the memory to the planet which is then instilled into the still living life forms that's why Quinna can't see the destruction of Alexandria those who survive to see it aren't oh that's what yeah those who survive to see it aren't dead yet there you go that's why Quinna can't see it because the ones who survived to see it aren't dead yet bullshit huh interesting <laughs> So I this is this bit. I really think it's dumb. I really do. But the, the idea no of the idea of Zidane seeing it because he might have been there on the Invincible doesn't fly because they all start seeing the creation of Gaia. Which obviously none of them were there for. Yeah, this is why it just I just feel like this section just doesn't work in the game as a whole. It's just there. It it's a just... pretty massive left turn. Yeah, it, it it's not referenced all the way through. It's just there hasn't really been anything about memory all the way through, so it's been about identity and finding life, but memory, nah. Hmm. The thing I hated about this section was you had to fight all four of those guardians. 
and each one was so drastically different. And uh, I admittedly used a guide to help prepare myself because one of oh, them. Oh no, had, I, I, I did as well. I'm, I'm it was like 15 up. minutes of preparation, and ultimately at the end of end of it all, I just ended up using Vivi's flare and reflect times two on himself, and that's all I did. Zidane and Garnet were healers, and then um, Steiner would use his flare magic sword against the enemy as well and he would be responsible for replenishing vv's uh magic points if needed that's all i did from here to the rest of the game was just vv flare i basically when i got did, to this point um, sorry dang on i did steiner's shock attack which i didn't is, have you that because you didn't get the items from the chocobo side quest um and amaranth's no mercy attack and basically garnet as a healer and zidane attacking and that kind of just got me through it hmm yeah, since Ozma onwards, I had Steiner constantly using Shock, which was every time doing nine 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 nine. Um, yeah, eco healing where needed, but then also using Medine, which was usually doing at least eight thousand five hundred. Um, Zidane sometimes Zidane attacking and sometimes support where needed, and Quinna was like support doing things like Angel Snack to um, get rid of status effects and casting Auto Life if my character's Auto Life had already been used. And it was a surefire way to do it. I mean, all, mostly all the enemies here, that none of these bosses... I mean, the, the final boss only has, I think, it's either 55,000 or 60,000 60. HP. Yeah, so if you're doing 9,999 times every well, time with Steiner, you'll, you soon fly through it. This is where they introduce an, another reference back to earlier Final Fantasy games where Zidane's going to find a presence that presides over all life and memories on the planet, and it's this crystal. Um and it's your job to see she does exist ah. <laughs> see it comes full circle um, <laughs> you have to take care of kuja to protect the crystal and you know even if you're born for one purpose zidane says even if i'm born for one purpose i don't regret being born into this world so he's accepted gaia as his home uh Let's see. Final boss, Kuja, created four chaoses from the crystal's memory. Um, blah, blah, I, blah. Why should the why, world why, exist? Why hasn't Kuja just... Because Kuja, at this point, wants to destroy it, like the universe. Why doesn't he just crack on? Why is he waiting for everybody to show up? Well, an evil genius it's wants just, somebody to this, appreciate him. Uh, it's just this bit. Well, his, stupid. Yeah, I his statement's like, like why should the world exist without me? That wouldn't be fair. So then you fight death guys, which props to you, Mike, for telling me that you can go back and save after the first of the boss battles because you didn't get to you don't get to save between every one of the um, guardian battles unless you want to trudge all the way back to the previous save point. And the encounter rate here is stupid high. Oh, yeah. And the boss, the enemies in here are insanely difficult. Even on my game, even on the remaster, if what me and Juliet were talking about, the Random encounters being knocked down a tad. Even for me, I was getting a lot here. Oh, well, you can speed it up because you're cheating. So, you know. And just throw God Mode on. So <laughs> you return to save, pop back in, fight Kuja, who's now in Transform. <laughs> I popped back out and used a tent. So basically, at the end of the world where Kuja's about to destroy everything, just had a kip. <laughs> just... <laughs> so stupid. Uh, yeah, this the, wasn't I that love difficult. the fight against Kuja. I love the theme music of this fight. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Reminds me a lot of the boss battle against Griever in Final Fantasy VIII. 
It's the the way the piano is and things very electronic. Hmm. So yeah, um, you fight Kuja, who's in trance, and he basically just decimates the party with Ultima again, and then flies off because he hits himself with his Ultima spell. And then this is where the game becomes absolute bullshit for me. I hate the end boss of Final Fantasy IX. I think it is the worst thing in the world. It is real dumb. Basically, what happens? You wake up on somewhere called the Hill of Despair. Everybody's basically dead. And then this being called Necron comes from nowhere. It's never been referenced in the entire game. Like, it's well known that this is just so jarring in Final Fantasy IX. There's nothing that alludes to this guy being here. And he shows up and he wants to just return everything to the Zero world. Because he's been observing Kuja and decided that because Kuja wanted to destroy everything... That people have no will to live. Which he does tie. The, um, he uses the famous Yoda quote, doesn't he? Uh, he literally rips anger, off Star Wars. To, yeah, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. Well, yeah, and Kuja was basically a victim of his fear, and um, he can only save himself by destroying himself and the origin of all things. But I tried, to, I tried to do research into Necron. I tried to find out what 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 his deal is. He's basically meant to represent death well, incarnate, but if, it's just. It's just bullshit. I hear it. Well, basically, he sees. Sound like I'm. Go ahead. Sorry, go on, Eric. Say what you said. I I might go on for a little while. So go say what you're going to say. Well, like you said before, he's here to return life back to zero world and basically say, "All right, it's time to press reset, start over. It's not the end because I am eternal. Everything else is going to die, but I will go on." But so, go on to your point. So uh, this is going to ramble quite long but um I, I same as dan did a bit of research into this and where i've been getting all these references back to so there's two two lines of two thought processes i'm going, going along here the first one um the thing with necron um that through through all those like allusions back to previous final fantasies i found a bit that um basically said there's a thematic parallelism Thematic parallel, we'll say, sorry, between Kuja slash Zandi and Necron slash the Cloud of Darkness from Final Fantasy III. Both Kuja and Zandi fear their mortality and both are unintentionally perform both unintentionally perform globally perilous actions that lead both Necron and the Cloud of Darkness to enter into the mortal realm to revert the world to nothingness. Neither Necron nor Cloud of Darkness show up until the ending and appear as the final fantasy uh, and appear as the final boss. The final boss theme accompanying these encounters is structurally similar. So one of the things with Necron that people say, and I agree, Dan, this, if, this is, if this is the case, it's bullshit. It's kind of just they used it as a massive callback to the Cloud of Darkness on Final Fantasy III. Now, a bit more research I did into Necron. Um, I looked onto a plot analysis FAQ that I found on GameFAQs.com um, by someone called Squall of Seed, and he goes into this. And he... he he put an excerpt here from uh, basically in January of 2018, Square Enix released the first of three 20th anniversary Ultimanias looking at the Final Fantasy series as a whole. The first book, um, which is talking about character, offered the following information about Necron and nothing else. It just said, um, monster created by the fear of death. Um, a being awoken by the fear, despair, and hatred of Kuja, who discovered with the fulfillment of his amb- ambition near that he had little time left to live. It rejects the cycle of life through the crystal and attempts to return every world, including Terra and Gaia, to nothing. The final enemy to confront Zidane's team. Um, so this Squall of Seed, he goes on to basically 
analyzed that a little bit and he puts that supposedly the necron is a cog in the cycle of souls of the eifer tree i imagine things happening in this way he was built to divide them to extinguish them to sort them and replace them but he would not have been built with the sentience and judgmental moral ability to choose his own actions the tree was garland's machine garland was operating it but garland dies and perhaps a soul cycling machine really is unique enough to be on some level conscious after garland dies and the tree keeps operating and when Necron appears, if Necron is connect connected to the tree, then obviously the thing is on some level conscious. It has awoken and decided for itself that it will not sort souls anymore, but destroy them outright. That is what Kuja, and therefore humanity, presumably desires. It still isn't making its own choices, it's acting in accordance with someone else's wishes, but it's alive enough to make this motivational reversal. Um, if yeah, Necron I still is, think yeah. I still think they just need the final boss and just chucked him in there. Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, he goes on to he goes on to use um, quote someone else, uh, someone called uh, some web user called the Onion Knight, um, uses an explanation that kind of combines that with the bit from the Ultimania. Um, basically, thus we arrive at an explanation in which everything discussed up to now holds up to scrutiny, with the premise that Necron is a function existed within the Eifer tree prior to his appearance in the story, and his birth as an autonomous entity began with Kuja's nihilistic behaviour. Necron's role in the story is explained in a manner that resolves all loose ends related to the Eifer tree, while simultaneously incorporating the soul's scarce official information provided about Necron. So it's, it's fan theory, a lot of it, and basing off a little bit from the Ultimania, and that makes me like it a little bit more but you shouldn't need fan theory to enjoy no, you shouldn't have to dig that much really should you no if you've just followed the plot of final fantasy 9 it's bullshit yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> the fact that its name's not even mentioned i mean i know i went on a little while there but i yeah. thought that was just kind of an interesting apparently look at in the it. same ultimania mike they revealed through concept art that the original boss was meant to be hades oh yeah we haven't mentioned hades have we no He's an optional Hades guardian. He's an optional boss in um, Memoria, who, if you beat him, opens up a, the best synthesis shop in the game. Yeah. Kind of late for that. Yeah, that's yeah. the only other place you can get the Pumis to get um, yeah. Ark as well, you, if you don't you can also get a ha- You can also get an item which extends the final scene. Oh no, the hammer. If you have your hammer, you can use the hammer to get Steiner's best armor, or you can keep it in your items and get a final, a better scene at the end. Yeah, it's not worth it though. No, <laughs> what you actually get. So Necron as a final boss. Um, I mean, I admit I'm always over leveled. I found it a piece of piss. Yeah, it wasn't that hard. No, it wasn't and hard for me either. I wanted to call back to what I said earlier and on the last show about how you don't level much in this game and characters as a whole generally don't feel powerful i don't mean uh, to correct myself to what it sounded like on the last show i don't mean that you feel under leveled compared to the bosses here i mean that generally the numbers make your character these characters as a whole compared to characters on other games feel weak so example is necron here fifty-five thousand hp okay you go back to and i just looked at this before we started the show today you go back to sephiroth final sephiroth safer sephiroth on final fantasy 7 now there's some different things that affect his stats, his HP stats. Um, but he has, his base HP is 80,000. So you're talking, you know, 25,000 more than Necron in here. And that's just his base. If there's certain bits and bobs that you can, that you do earlier in the game that can add more HP to Sephiroth. So Sephiroth, if you summon Knights of the Round with Geno- when facing Genova just before it, that gives him an extra 80,000 HP. Um, he will have an extra 30,000 HP for every single character you have at level 99. So what is there? 
seven or eight characters in Final Fantasy seven. So he could have, you know, that many times extra 30,000 HP. So you look at a game like Final Fantasy VII and look at the levels and the HP that these final bosses have and then go back to Final Fantasy VII. The last boss is only 55. Yeah. These characters, they, they just feel weak to me. They always have done. In Final Fantasy X, if you level your characters up to a certain point, you can do 99,999 damage per hit and you can kill yeah. the last boss in one hit. Jeez. Yeah. And this was my point that I was trying to make last time. You know, you, they don't feel weak in relation to this game. They, you know, they, they seem perfectly leveled. But compared to the other games where the stats come in, and because there's so little battling through this game, as we've noticed through playing it this time and analysing it the way that we do, it does make these characters feel weak. Like, I've, ne- I've never ever thought of Zidane on the same level. And, and this is, you know, being a bit geeky and a bit nerdy. I've never ever thought of Zidane as a warrior, uh, as someone in battle who is anywhere near, like, the level of, say, like, Cloud or Squall. No, but that's because Cloud and Squall were both warriors by nature before this. Zidane was just a ragtag back-alley thief. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you take any of the characters from Final Fantasy IX and relate them to anything from Final Fantasy VII and VIII, for example, and they just don't, you know. Look at Steiner, you know, he's, like, he is the warrior class of Final Fantasy IX. And then compare him to someone like, I know, Auron, in Final Fantasy X. Orn. Orn. Orange Orn. Orn, Orn, Cran. Okay, let's wrap this oh, up. We're going to have Dan's, a good time with Final Fantasy X. Dan's got to leave oh, in I like 18 10. minutes. Um, so after this, you see a cutscene where the Aoife tree's roots are having a violent reaction and the mist is leaving. Uh, and you see all the 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 airships up above with Beatrix and Sid and Makoto calls to Sid saying I can, I can hear him and um, Sid shows up in the Hildegard three and saves the entire crew but you discover now that then. what's that now now then just shows up now then, <laughs> now then. <laughs> full circle guys <laughs> Kuja show or Kuja you get the impression that he's still alive and uh, well he is still alive um, tells Zidane to to leave and um, Zidane starts going through this inner discussion with himself, like, you know what, I'm I'm afraid I would have done the same thing as you had I been in your shoes, and I can't, I couldn't live with myself if I left Kuja, uh, and everybody else wants to follow Zidane, except for Amaranth. Amaranth's like, you're an idiot, I'm getting on this ship, and uh, <laughs> basically, um, Dagger comes up, and she's like, you know what, I'm now the princess, the abduction is over, and... Uh, Zidane tells this to Dagger and I can't take you any further and I'm sorry for being selfish and finally they all come to terms with it and, and Zidane or Dagger says to Zidane thank you please come back um, and she waves at him from the airship very tenderly yes. and um, then Zidane does a crazy thing the Aoife tree's roots go nuts and start attacking him and he kind of like the evil forest him. Yeah, in a really weird FMV, which also blends character models from the game. Which it's I don't a know weird Matrix make... scene. I I was about to say I was a little disappointed by this. Like I don't why don't get me wrong. Do Zidane properly? Yeah, it. I had a quick I, I, before we recorded today. I went onto YouTube and quickly just from, watched some bits from the ending because I, I watched it a few days ago. Um, just wanted to refresh myself. And the footage on YouTube that I watched was from the original version. Obviously, I played the remaster and. 
it looked okay on the remaster, but yeah, they're using that same character model from the main field. And it just was just such a disappointment that they didn't go to the effort to make it a proper cutscene. But it, compared to watching it on the original PlayStation version, I mean, whoever recorded it onto YouTube had it in 16 by 9 like Dan, so that didn't help. But the <laughs> It um, was me, Austin. <laughs> it was me all along. But yeah, such a such an important scene. Like it's, and would have looked amazing if it was in the full rendered cutscene. Yeah. Well, they have a little bit of a discussion too. Kuja says, you know what, I'm useless to the, this world. And Zidane's like, no one is no one is useless. You technically helped us escape. And Kuja finally at this point realizes what it means to live. And uh, he, despite what he may have done, he actually gave hope to the genomes who, um, they were created for the wrong reason. Crystal. But he defeated their ultimate fate. And All right. Wants to make sure that uh, okay, he lives on forever. Got half an hour. Us that we're not created for the wrong half reasons an hour, and yeah. that life has meaning. How long does it take? And then begins right. the really long ending of the game. It's like twenty six minutes or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, it's got to wrap everything up though, doesn't it? Yeah. You see Vivi and Alexandria. I thought that this game was gonna like loop back because you see Vivi walking through and. You discover it's not Vivi, it's his son. And he's just got an army of clones come running along with him. And uh, How how does this happen? I don't, I don't understand. No idea. But he's, he's always... He, they're all... They go through all the characters in the game and they're kind of reflecting on their knowledge of Zidane because they assume that Zidane is dead. And In between Vivi, these scenes, there's somebody talking. Yeah. And he's, he's like, you know, we're always talking about you. You taught us that life has meaning. And you see Freya and, and Frat Boy um, and reliving their love. And you know, he doesn't recall the past still. And uh, Beatrix surrenders. She surrenders her sword and steps away from the army. Um, Amaranth walks up a road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brooding. Queen is cooking in the castle again, proving my point at the start that she is in the castle at the start because it is the same person. I suppose. Dagger has well, to Quinn, move Quinn on. Has seemed, Quinn has seems to have learned that, um, you know, it's not just food. You have to cook it with heart for friends, which is more than what Amaranth got <laughs> for yeah. closure. The, um, did you guys know that the person who's speaking is actually Vivi and he's actually died? What? Yeah. Well... I, w- I was going to bring this up later um, because uh, one of the questions we got later is questioning who's talking at the end. And using that same plot al- analysis I was using before from Squall of Seed, um, it's believed that the first half is Mikoto and the second half is Vivi. So the first line in the first lines, Akuja, what you did was wrong, but you gave us all one thing, hope. We were created for the wrong reason, but you alone defied our fate. We do not want to forget this. We want your memory to live on forever. To remind us that we were not created for the wrong reason, that our life has meaning. Um, that would make sense to be Makoto. Yeah, and then... It makes sense for Vivi as well, though. Yeah, no, because Akuja didn't create Vivi. Oh, wait, yeah, he did? did. Yeah, you're right. And then and Makoto's actually on screen at that point as well. And then you get to this next bit where it says, I ta- always talked about you, Zidane, how you're a very special person to us because you taught about us... Um, all important taught us all how important life is you taught me that life doesn't last forever that's why we have to help each other and live life to the fullest even if you say goodbye you're always in our hearts so i know we're not alone anymore why i was born how i wanted to live thanks for giving me time to think to keep doing what your heart you set on and it goes on like this basically and Mm. that's obviously 
you know that's obviously the point where it's Vivi taking over um and it, it, it this this analysis goes on to kind of relay all these things and how it works but there's another bit that goes to this uh in the japanese version of the script vivi uses the word boku in kakakana katakana as his word for i when referring to himself the same as the second speaker from the game's ending none of the other main characters do this zidane uses or freya freya mikoto and beatrix all use watashi Quinner uses Watashi. Uh, Dagger also uses Watashi, and Amaranth uses Or as well. Ika refers to herself by her own name. Steiner uses uh, Jibun, and Kuja uses Boku when he was in kanji form. Hmm. Uh, he used it in the kanji form. So the second part of it uses the Boku that Vivi did, hmm. whereas the first bit didn't. I'm overwhelmed with facts. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> Did my research on this one, boys. Woo! Yeah. Uh, so the the last little bit, you see everybody watching Baku's play again. And it's sort of alluded to that it is a variation of I want to be your canary, but they've adjusted it to reflect the story of what just happened in the game. There's one reference I really like where they say no squall, no cloud. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. Which is a reference, obviously, to seven and eight. Yeah. But, um, this it all wraps up because the character on stage is in a cloak, and you, he's called Marcus, so you expect it to be Marcus. And mm, I, I it, called it straight away. <laughs> see, I didn't notice it. I had zero idea this was going to happen. I didn't know when I was a child, but I don't yeah. know. So, and then the the rope is thrown off, and Zidane is there, and he says, "Bring my garnet to me," and she runs through the crowd, and they she hits him a bit, and then they have a hug, and it all ends. Now then. Now, at this point, if you left a name as Dagger, that line works a bit more in context of it, but I turned it back to Garnet as well. Yeah. <laughs> and so, that's uh, Final yeah, Fantasy Nine. It is. Apart from the hidden blackjack bit at the end, but you know. Yeah. We don't need that. I... This hasn't really moved up a whole lot in my list. Uh, it definitely hasn't superseded 7 and 8, that's for sure. No, I, I it just I didn't... like them better, but... It didn't feel like a Final Fantasy game. This just felt like a really long interactive story with some Final Fantasy combat in there. I disagree. I still think it stands alone as a Final Fantasy game. I don't know. It's just so different. It is, but they all are. They all try something different. They do. Not always a hit, but quite often are. Hmm. This... (laughs) When we were playing this for the show, and I, I, I keep saying I've I've never finished this one before, so I'd never seen the end. I completely forgot about all the bits at the end of this three, and when you find out what Zidane is and everything, because Dan even mentioned it in our WhatsApp chat. I was like, uh, spoilers! I didn't know that. Turns out I did. <laughs> um, but for me, when we were playing this, I was really excited to play this. Really excited to finally finish it. But I got to about halfway through. And up until that half, I was like, you know what? This is amazing. This is this is definitely going to be... This is this is almost contending, you know, that kind of second spot for me because it's always gone seven, then eight for me. And it was, it was contending. It was a big contender. And then even though the plot kind of got very interesting with the whole terror and Zidane was a genome and all that stuff, it fell off on the wayside there for me. It really did. Um... I, I lost interest in the oh, last kind of, of it, it, it kind of, I think it forgot what it was. It, it, it This is going to be a strange analogy, but it always remi- it reminds me a little bit of how, like, the first three Pirates of the Caribbean 
films went because the first one for me was always like a quaint little pirate story and then the second one it started getting a bit fantastical and then the third one they just completely forgot they were doing and just went all out batshit mental and it almost went a little bit like that for me you know it it does feel like this quaint little you know medieval story all these quirky little characters and everything and it had to get serious don't get me wrong but it just kind of went really left field for me i know i think the whole terror subplot is a bit mad it's like because it it's so jarring to have that medieval thing and then kind of there's this whole of the world with like advanced technology and stuff and it's just it's just strange Hmm. but yeah that's fine if i see nine i guess it is what it is should we take some listener thoughts yeah uh the living meme himself Hmm. um dan see gilbert uh, it says, try selling to a gamer who has never played Final Fantasy IX in one sentence. Try eight first, then play nine. <laughs> Great. Love it. Love and enjoy disc one and two, then possibly not disc three and four as much. See, I thought yours would have been play it for the Chocobo side quest. Nah. See, it's I, not I that like good. It, it is good. It's not. It is. You didn't do um, it. I would say play it for the story. Don't expect too much of an RPG. We're not selling it well, are we? No. No, I love this. I, I, you know, I, I don't no, want to do it negatively. Really, it is A good. really good game. Really enjoyed it, but it does have its flaws. It just felt really tedious at the end. Uh, Santos Lopez, is Tom going to make it through the whole show this time, or does he bail after a few hours? Slack oh, well, boy, he didn't even, even make it to this show. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Tom. Um, Dalton Sutor, uh, does anyone else think Ozma sounds like a VD? Like VD? Tom is going to get that Canadian Ozma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, Mark Marchesi, uh, we, I can never pronounce your surname. I kind of go... <laughs> Sorry. My fault. Anyway, um... For the serious angle now, the way the game explores all these characters searching in their own ways for their meaning in life is why this is my favourite main Final Fantasy. How each character varies but all have unique answers they seek in their life. That also ties to the opening menu screen, how they all have a question personal personal to them. Oh, we all know about the opening menu screen. (laughs) The way even even the way the Final Fantasy designer Sakaguchi set the whole game up as a love fest and existential examination on what Final Fantasy was and would be onward. I thought it's always interesting how minor characters like Quinna, Freya, and even Amaranth have their own mental journeys beyond Zidane and Garnet's friends and people who you need matter. I am glad you gents are going the distance. I see it all as a, sorry. I am glad you gents are going the distance to see it all, as I think it surpassed seven and eight and was on par with six. I wonder if nine moved up anyone's Final Fantasy ranking list, though I'm sure Eric and Dan are firmly straddling the top choices of eight and seven, respectively. I mean, we kind of touched on that. Yeah, I do love this game. I've, I've loved this game this time more than I ever have, because this was yeah. always a bit of a black sheep for me. I, I said when we first started this, I do a lot about it I didn't enjoy, and it always put me off, and now I've loved it this time. I agree. It's. I have, I've loved it again, but it doesn't go up the list for me, unfortunately. But I, I think the points he was making there about it been thematically about the characters and stuff like that yes it is at the first two discs maybe the start of disc three but then like i say it really drops off and it's all about this whole terror subplot and then all the bullshit about memoria at the end it just if it kept the coherence all the way through i think it could have been like fantastic but for me not doesn't beat eight and nine right uh dan you've got five minutes left our next question is a big long one do you want to duck out before it or after it no i'm good 
Okay, cool. Uh, Juliet Breslin Romano. Sent You're going to read the a, whole thing? A monster of a thing. I'm not going to read the whole thing, okay. no. But um, I'm going to cut it up into several different questions. Okay? Um, the first bit, I'll read the whole bit. Um, because we have kind of touched on it. Um, oh, no. Uh, not the first bit. The first bit talks about how who was talking at the end. Yeah, we covered that. Bring up. We did that. So that's good. That's a right what are your favorite musical themes in the game mine are melodies of life the final song variant of that what plays on the world map roses of may um which plays on queen brown's airship the bermesia theme and gizm luke's grotto festival of the hunt something to protect um when you're saving alexandria the final battle um i'm not gonna list all these um, but she put the music in this game is truly exceptional additionally are there any places you got sick of the music dan i know you said you loved the trino theme but i definitely got sick of that one how yeah, I get sick of that one real quick. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. It's so good. It's good, but it gets annoying. I I really so like good. the world map music on this, but yeah, I'm kind of partial map. to world map music in all Final Fantasies. You're Not Alone is a fantastic piece of music. That was going to be the next one I was going to bring up. Kuja's final boss theme and Kuja's theme in general are fantastic. I really like the Black Mage Village music as well. Yeah. I think that's very good. Little number. There is a section in Memoria at the end where they take the main Final Fantasy theme, you know, the do 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 the crystal world. Yeah, that's it. I couldn't mm, remember yeah. what it's called. But they put it into a minor key. Ah. And it sounds amazing. Yeah, they ends up they switch it into a minor key and it sounds really dark and mysterious and not as upbeat and chipper and I love that bit as well. That was a nice ah, That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh I mean, I'm no no expert in music. That's what I think they did. That's what it sounds like they did to me. Uh, also, Dan, I am glad you stuck around because Juliet says a comment. I have to stand up for Mike and his use of the fast forwarding feature. Whilst I use it very scarcely, a comparison can be drawn to save stating with that you feel you shouldn't use it because it's not authentic, but also you don't want to lose five hours of progress. She goes on to basically say about going using her party, forgetting to change her party after using a chocobo and things like that. So yeah, screw you, Dan. <laughs> Sorry, Mike, I didn't listen. What? <laughs> Shut, up. Shut up! I don't listen to cheaters. I'm afraid. <laughs> um, this last bit, I will read the whole bit. She put. Lastly, thank you all for choosing to do this game and for the large amount of time you put into playing and recording these wonderfully long episodes and all the fun interactions on the community page. It's been a blast playing. Uh, it's been a blast playing along. Put your with teeth you all. in, man! Ready for your teeth in. It's been a blast playing along with you all. I'm so sad I wasn't able to finish alongside you. And listening to these episodes has been a delight. Mike, I love that you looked up and referenced all the callbacks to the other Final Fantasies that are in this one. It was so cool. I didn't discover until relatively recently that this Final Fantasy was made as a callback to all the old Final Fantasies. It made it that much cooler playing through it again. It was amazing to have my favourite gaming podcast do my favourite RPG. And don't worry, Eric, FFA is a very close second. You're all awesome. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Very kind. Mm. Mm. We don't have any more questions Mm. on here, though. No, that was it. No. So you guys are going to be gone for the next two shows. No, next no. show. One next show. Next so, show, you are doing Nights into Dreams with Yomas. Yes. And then after that, we are going to kindly play Bioshock. Yes. Oh, by the way, Julia, if you are listening, um, you said about all those callbacks to the other Final Fantasies. After this show has gone out, I will put the link on the Facebook group that I was using for all of them so you can look and see all the others as well. Right. Hello. Yeah, we got you. We got you. We we heard it. Uh, What are you guys going to be playing in the time since then? Anything you're going to catch up on? I I think I'm going to finish God of War. 
Oof. I'm, I'm going to play Neo and Hollow Knight. I didn't talk at all about Octopath Traveler, but I think Tom and I will talk about that pretty heavily next show. Oh, uh, yeah. You yeah. guys are going to freaking love that game. I played the demo. Um, yeah. I played I... as Therium, the thief, and it yep. was good fun. That's, that's I've got the I... demo to play. Yeah. You should buy it, Dan. It's not even oh, in the shops. I didn't see it yesterday. It's not there. It's going to be right up your little street, that is. Right up your little Curtis street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, by the well, time... They, I... they, were, it, they were struggling to stock it in stores in Japan, I think. Because the demand was that high. By the time I'm on a show with you guys again, I will have been to Missouri with uh, Chad and Zach for Chad's Mo Game Con. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm not making it across for that. Oh, God. It's going to be a shit show. (laughs) Live live Facebook videos. Live Facebook videos. Oh, we will. We will. I asked asked Chad how many uh, vendors there are going to be selling used games, and he's like, about 60% of them. Oh, God. Bring more money. Save some dollar dues. Yep. So, all right, gentlemen, it's been a been a gas. It's been lovely. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks for sticking around, Dan. No problem. Now then, get the hell out of here. Right, bye, bye.